Welcome back guys, uh, we're back here doing our season review, we just had a slight uh, break from it, as you'd expect it's quite a lengthy process reviewing it and then recording an episode for it, so yep. we just took a short break because Jane was hungry. Oh yeah, there is that as well, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it is and true, I, though, it is true. And I had a bit of a chance to catch up with mum, so, you know, I won't say it was all Jamie just going, I'm hungry, but it kind of was, but I made use of it as well, but yeah. Okay, you don't want to know that. No. Um, so we're now doing the second half of it, right up to the episode finale, and a bit into season seven with Descent Part Two. But we'll get there when we get there. But we're starting this, this half off with Face of the Enemy. Troy waking up after being kidnapped, finds himself aboard a Rumble Warbird, posing a member of Rumble Intelligence. Nice to see it hasn't improved, but never mind. Participate. In a carefully, carefully plotted defection attempt by a vice pro council of the room high council. Can I just point out, if I do stumble in any of the blurbs, it's because for some reason, my printout has parts of words cut out. Oh, does it? Oh, I was just going to say. <laughs> so if I don't know what a word says, it's not because I'm illiterate or anything like that, because I have read every other season with fine so far. It's cut off at the far out, most of it. Most of the words, I can work out what the hell it means, but some words, it just, like plot, it just said P-L-O. Plo. <laughs> to plo. So I have to kind of figure out what the hell the sentence was and is. I didn't think it was a problem when I printed it out and thought, oh, well, I'll deal with it when I get to it, and now I am dealing it when I'm getting yeah. to it. So that's why that's the thing when you hear it and when you have heard it in the past. But yeah. yes, Faye, um, Troy being a rumbling. Yeah, uh, fantastic episode. This for me is immediately going up. I liked it. Um, just, no. No, fair enough. Um, it's, it is very weird how we both come to very different conclusions. And uh, Jamie was saying, when we started this way, way months, or like a month ago, he was going, oh, I wonder if there's going to be any episodes where we actually put stuff up together. And there is, a, but not beyond kind of standard trope. Beyond that, yeah. nada, by the looks of this so far. Which is very unlike us. Every other season, I think we've had odd one or two. Yeah. But apart from probably, I think, Relics, and I think another one that is this season, every other one is different that we've put up. Oh, no, I think... Um... Episode 19, I think you put that up as Relics, well. Relics, Tapestry and Lessons is pretty much fundamentally all yeah. you're going to get from us. And yeah. then beyond that, it's totally different. Actually, yeah. maybe Second Chance as well. I think that's a bad it. But beyond yeah. that, nada. So, carry yeah. on, Jamie. You, you carry on saying what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, again, this is... um, probably, I think it's sad to say, I think a lot of next-gen fans would agree. It probably is one of Troy's best episodes and again, she's just playing t totally against what you would... I say totally against character, just out of her comfort zone. But it works really, really well. And it just it makes up for Man of the People. It really does just... It makes up for that monstrosity of an episode. So uh, some of the things that I just said I loved about this one was um, obviously brilliant intro. So shrouding the room in darkness until Troy turns on the light, looks into me and discovers she's been searching in order to be Robin. And again, from a first-time perspective, he's thinking, what the heck's just happened? Excellent performance by Marina Sirtis, just um, playing the Tao Shia Romulan, Major Rakal. 
I thought she was very um, convincing indeed and actually quite frightening at times. Um, and I said, I already mentioned about the usual comfort zone and make us up for man of the people. I thought were great guest performances from Scott McDonald as sub-commander Navek and Carolyn Seymour returning, again as another Roman, as Commander Toref. I thought it was... Um... Do you want to know an interesting bit of trivia that I read? I haven't actually noted it down. But do you want to know why they didn't You Because you say she returns. You'll notice she doesn't return as the character she played in Contagion. Do you know what that is? Go on. Or did you read up what it was? Um, hang on, just um. Uh... <laughs> no, you, no, no, I don't think so. It's, it's not in my notes. No, I was just checking my notes. Go on. The writing staff thought that that character died, which is why they came up with a new one. Huh? Yeah, which I don't quite get, but never mind. Okay. It would have been a cool bit of continuity, but it would have done, but a bit too far. This apparently this writer didn't quite figure that bit out, but actually that was an interesting bit of tidbit Definitely. that kind of works into what you're saying. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It was interesting. Gone. Let's see. Um, superb character development for the Romulans to so find out what drives them as Ensign says they have a moral compass of what they believe is right and wrong, and are willing and passionate to pursue that. We also find out about obviously their intelligence services about the Tau Shiar. And it's conflict with the military and about Commander Trespass, that like her father was killed by them. Um, I thought it was a nice link back and a continuation of the unification plot line of the Vulcan. Yeah. Said this as well. It's unification yeah. kind of part three. Three, really, fundamentally. Yeah. Uh, of the Vulcan Romulan dissident movement, because obviously important Romulan officials who are who are defected are the cargo being transported. And I love the interplay between Troy, Troy and Toref as a conflict between them widens throughout the episode. What about you? What did you like or get for this episode? <sighs> the Kvonan freighter is a reuse of the Australian Security Vessel first seen in Eric's corner. It's interesting getting this chance to look at a Roman war bed up on close and personal for a change, because you'd never ever see that. Uh, later, seen later on in um, Timescape. Mm. Uh, the cargo bay is redressed as subspace relay station 47 control room seen in Aquarell. Uh the view screen from the Royal Bird is originally created for Qatar and ships seen in the game now this is an interesting tidbit Dr. Crash oh. was originally meant to be kidnapped but writing self realised Troy's empathic abilities would be better suited yeah I definitely agree with that, that Beverly wouldn't have made much sense uh, my last tidbit is there's a deleted scene where Ensign d- 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 Deserve uh, uh, realizes that the Federation's no longer home to him, and that the Federation uh, that he's more alone than ever, as he tries uh, replicating some rumbling food with no luck before ending up drinking coffee. It, it did what it needed to do. It's just not necessary. No, but it does reinforce that notion of him coming back and not being able to fit back in. It kind of, he was with the Romulans, he defected, and he didn't. It, it, it comes to the point where he, he didn't suit him, and he, he kind of caught between two worlds, isn't he, really? I like this episode, Jamie, because you're asking me. I like this episode, and it's a great thing for Troy's character. Again, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Underwhelmed. I hate to say it, a bit underwhelmed. It's great for Troy's character development, but... No. Again, I, I like Again. it. It's one of the better ones in there, but... 
I mean, that's, made... the, that's the problem with the season. It's full of loads of mediocre bottle shows that none of them really speak to me. Mm. I mean, maybe it would have worked better if you'd actually seen... Again, I know this is an episodic kind of thing, but seeing the effect it would have had on the Romulans as a whole, because they're important officials. It would be a strike for a blow to Romulus, but you don't really see that impact. Which I, the other I, thing that... Because we were watching um, Rogue One last night, and Ensign Thingy Thing suffers the same problem that... Um, oh, God, I can't think of a name. Um... Felicity Jones has in that episode in that film. Oh, where's the message? Oh, we haven't got it. Oh. This guy didn't have the bloody message. Where was it? <laughs> Bring yeah. the message, and then the people will believe you. Yeah. Like, come on, like that's mm. like one hundred and one basics. Like, so that's something I really didn't get. Oh yes, this is vitally important. We've sent this chap in. Oh, yeah, we've got the USB stick. Who forgets a USB stick for Pete's sake? Like, <laughs> oh yes, I have it written on the back of my hand. Oh, please believe me. <laughs> oh yes, I heard it from like Chinese whispers. It's genuine though. Trust me. Yeah. Like, well, how good's that? Like, yeah, you 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 gotta definitely understand the crew's very much skepticism about Anderson Dev. You know, when he says that. It's kind of like, you know, they turn up and the freight is not there. It's like, well, you said it would be here and it's not, so... Yeah. Jen Erso, that was her name. That was who Felicity Jones played. Ah. Jen Erso, that's who I was trying to get at. I'm just, just on a completely random... Uh, no no bearing on the episode whatsoever. Rogue One is a good film. Well, yeah, we're re-watching re Star Wars. So, yeah. that's so. it there. That's um, what we're up to. What's that? I, I, uh, so, I'm just... A bit underwhelmed. That that's all. That's unfortunately that's the undertone of my whole season six. Just thoroughly underwhelmed by most of it. Fair enough. It, as I've yeah. always said, it's very hit and miss. Mm. Like I will very much go into quite a lot of detail when we finally ever, whenever the hell that will be, when we get to Voyager. Because my God, you're going to hear an awful lot of that. I think you know I. It's sad to say, I think I probably enjoyed six more than you, but even I would admit there were periods where it was a bit hit and miss, yeah. Although I think we both said, didn't we, as we said at the start of part one of this, the second half of six is better, isn't it? It's a bit I more. I cannot wait for one of them. I'm going to have an absolute fill day for one of them. Oh, when, I've already well, when, hinted about it on Twitter. Well, when we get to that one, I'll let you. Well, we. Uh, do you know what? I think it's safe to say with the two episodes we're probably gonna that are probably definitely gonna be we'll probably pick them as a favourite. So regardless of the order we've done this, I think it's only fair to say that person should read out those ones. Does that make sense? Regardless I... of our order. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, you've already told me as well, haven't you? That's yeah. Right. Yeah, we've pretty much told each other, yeah, we're going it's just very unlike us. Every year we I try and keep mine hush hush. But this year it couldn't be any more clearer. Oh yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be any more clearer, so we're, we're trying not to bluff you guys too much and go, oh, what's it going to be? Yeah, I, I think, think it'll pretty much be, yeah, it's that one. Yeah, and I think it's the same for me, because people, I've mentioned it numerous times already, so it won't be any surprise. But, um, yeah, so... I like we get to see a glimpse of, another glimpse of Romulan life. 
It's yeah. just, and I think it also has something to say about um, the Kira Norris one. There's another similar one to Kira Norris, which I think again that's another issue I have with the, this one. It's again, it's it's that one. It's kind of let's copy that one, but don't worry about it. Like. No one pay attention to it. No one pay attention to the face of the enemy. We haven't done this before. But we have done it. Like, kind of weakens this one a bit. Ah, uh, fair. I mean, which one are you referring to? The Kishkira one are you referring to? She wakes up as a Kardashian, that one. Oh, second that skin, other one. yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I can kind of see the powers. I think, I think uh, out of these two, I definitely think second skins. I think I prefer second skins, definitely. But yeah, I can kind of see what you mean, yeah. And then, you know, to have this follow unification, it's a, in some ways it's a bit weak, I would kind of say. Like, I, I think what would have worked is if we'd met Ensign Thingy Thing in unification, even if he kind of had one thing to say. Oh, Ensign Desev. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, there was never quite... The link wasn't even tentative enough to make you go, yep, yeah, okay, right, I believe this. There was no nothing there to make you go. Oh yeah, this episode's linked up together. Mm. So I, I don't know, just underwhelmed, just really underwhelmed. I'm I'm sorry to say, because I love next gen, just not six. My mm. God, I don't like six. I I'd, I'd never have done. Everything. Like, <laughs> it's very difficult to say, but I think even when I was getting Jamie into it, I never really liked six. I like I said, I, I, for me. It is. It is. It. I enjoy six, but even I must admit, I've been a bit disappointed with it. It's. I prefer season four and five. I think. I think I prefer five over six. Weirdly. Two and say, four. Hmm? Me. Two and four. I say two as well. Two. Well, two, four, and five so far. I'd say, but not. To, that's not to dismiss season three because season three is very good. But, um, yes. Yeah, so. But yeah, it's, it just... it's what we're saying. It, the whole season just feels like they're just kind of um, strolling through, like just doing the bare minimum to get through. Like they can see the finish line inside. Oh, we've just got another season to go. We've got no money. What can we do on this shoestring budget? Yeah, I mean that's, that's not to say we're not saying obviously. Yeah, they, they did. We know that these they all worked incredibly hard. Uh, you know, we're not downplaying that at all. They did incredible work, and in the amount of hours they've put in, that's not to say you know we don't we know we know we appreciate what they've done. But as you say, when you have that kind of thing with the bottle shows, and then you've obviously I think you just come to the point where you've done this for six seasons, and I think I think in a way it shows a bit. I, I can't explain why. I, I really can't, but. It just felt like maybe at this point the show was just losing its edge a little bit. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, that's why, you know, I'm going through this. Oh, it's another heartbreaking episode. Oh, it's another one of these episodes. It's yeah. like, we've been here far better, yet we're doing it and we've got to say something for it, yet we can't say anything for it because there's nothing there. Like, because the, the, they have no budget, so they can't invest much more into it. So you end up with this horrible endless cycle that they were in, with oh, we're in because we're reviewing it, yet we can't get out of, yet somehow miraculously in 7 they managed to get out of it 
And, and I don't know if that's just because... And that's, that's how their curiosity with it. I was going to say they have the same number of two parties, but they don't. They have one less. But somehow they seem to not spend as much on them, even though one of them is all good things. So I don't quite know how it all worked out, but it, it's yeah. a far superior season. I don't know. I, two hours in, it all gets a bit too much. Oh, <laughs> But um, what what I got um, from from the episode, some of the messages. Did you sorry? You, did you do your trivia for this one, sorry? Yeah. yeah oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Because <laughs> last uh, two times I've done it. Last time I told about the same stuff the third time. So I got um, the three M's. I got was um, people have the capacity to change and to try and make up for the mistakes they make. So, Ensign just said we work for Romans to fix and wants to try and make amends. So, obviously, everyone deserves a second chance. Um, sometimes, so in, in this case, of from kind of Nevek's perspective, like sometimes extraordinary acts must be taken to save lives. So, in his mind, the ends justify the means. So, Nevek kidnaps Troy and kid, uh, kills the real Major Rakar on the 18 Nars and the freighter that they were going to meet in order to carry out their mission. Sometimes you have to adapt to changing situations quickly. So, so try finding herself as a robber and is made to go undercover. In order, in order to defeat your enemy, you must first understand him. As Troy says to Tereth when she takes over the ship. What about you? What did you get? Uh, teamwork is an important part of life. Don't interfere with other people's lives. Honesty is the best policy. Don't abduct people. Yeah, that's a needs of many, um, outweighed needs of the one or few. Always have a backup plan. Yeah. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Always seek permission. Government's lying. Cover things up. Propaganda, again, because it's Romulan. Get the right person for the job. Every decision we make has consequences. And don't give up so easily as a solution to every problem. It's, I think the other thing I've forgotten about... It's, it's a bit of a weird episode. The way that they... How it all happens. So... Somehow the resistance managed to get them on the ship. So how do they manage that? And so there's a few other questions that you do sit there and go, "What? Well, you have to spend a bit of belief." Mm. So I think that's the other thing that I don't quite get with it. The way they just sneak it on, like no one in this really uptight society are going, "Hmm, this looks fishy." No one. Questions any of it, which is very unromulent. Yeah, it does. I think Bernard does feel a bit off kilter, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I love this episode. Um, so I'll put it up. But no, again, fair enough, Sire. The next episode, uh, Tapestry. Oh, this is another one that's definitely going up. Back to us. Yay. Um, I think it's my turn to read, isn't it? Yeah. Um, after a meeting with aliens goes wrong, an away team is beamed into sickbay with a dying Picard. There's a near-death vision in the form of a message from Q, who informs Picard that his artificial heart is the cause of his death, but he will allow him to change his past. Hands down, probably, probably the best, probably, if not the best, probably one of the best Q episodes they've done. And even, well, even a Picard episode. Absolutely fantastic. Oh my god! I mean, I just I found so much for this one. Did, did you Did you get the same? Um, yeah, there was another six minutes of deleted scenes. <laughs> wow. Um, 
Yeah, so do you want to start, side going what you liked about it and the trivia and all that kind of stuff? At one point in time, Captain Jericho was going to be the captain of the Enterprise D in the alternate timeline, which I would not have liked, but, you know. Uh, first on-screen appearance of the Norskans in Star Trek. Yep. Uh, Q... Oh, I like this bit, Kruber. Q appeared in the previous week's episode of DS9, Q-less, where he says that he should pay a visit. I like that. That's uh, great trivia. timing. That's great timing, yeah. In the Bonasteel Recreation Facility, you can see Antedian and a Soleil, who were last seen in Lonely Among Us, where they were at war. Uh, Wesley's Cadet Quarter windows are reused Picard's Star uh, Starbase Earhart Quarters windows. Norskan's sword is a larger version of the knife used by Charoth Escock in Allegiance. Um... Star Trek's equivalent of It's a Wonderful Life or Turn Left in Doctor Who. I said this to Jamie on the phone and he kind of half agreed with me. It's a bit weird Picard sleeping with Martha, Marty, but, but, but uh, what's her name? As it, it, um, it suffers from the same prob uh, moral dilemma as the film Big starring Tom Hanks. Uh, just a little bit strange, a little bit weird. Yeah, I mean. You could have got a younger Picard to play the part. They had one. They had yep. one in there in the flashback right at the beginning of the episode. Mm. But I think it, despite that... Yeah, it's true. But despite that questionable moment between him, I said that I, I think I think they made the right choice in sticking with Patrick Stewart, personally. Um, um, Q convinces Picard that these deleted scenes. Q convinces Picard that this isn't a trick and he is actually dead. Uh, he's got no pa uh, no pulse. Uh, a more detailed explanation of how sleeping together has ruined their relationship, their friendship between Picard and Martha. Um, and Picard tries helping in engineering, but Geordi squashes it. They they were good. They were. I think that the one about the uh, how they've ruined their relationship was really good one because they talk about their first day. And the, the um, unity between the three of them, how way that was kind of ruined now. Oh, so maybe they should have kept that thing because that sounds like a nice little scene that does. The other two I could quite easily live without. Mm. But yeah, that one was quite a cool one. But so that, uh, that's that's what I got from it. And what, what did you like about the episode? Oh, it's just. It's nothing really you can say. It's just a kind of staple of best episodes of. So I don't, I don't think I really need necessarily to explain why. Mm. It would be the same for lessons later on. Just kind of, do I really need to spend <laughs> time explaining why? Like, um, well, for it's me, it's an interesting way of just seeing Picard. Oh, what I would love to have heard is the story at the end of the episode. I would love to have seen that anecdote he was going to say to Riker. I would love to have heard that. Oh, yeah. I, d I don't think it needs explanation. It's just a great episode just to explore Picard in his youth and Picard's relationship with Q and the way that actually he does actually care about Picard. Yeah. Because there is this misnomer that Q is a villain and does nothing nice for anyone. 
Uh, no, he does actually do nice things for people. Deja Q and this one. Because if you care to forget, he does actually save Gar's life at the end of this. He died at the beginning of this, and he wakes up at the end of it. That's so right. he has actually saved Gar's life. So that's two occasions, and there will be, I think, another one in the series finale where Q does a nice thing. So, it kind of crosses that notion of Q's the villain, because he's not, it's complex, you know. Um, so for me, um, well, <laughs> you're having fun there, munching away. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm still hungry. Um, <laughs> yeah, can I just so, point out, I don't eat or really drink anything during these things. I don't no. drink for like four hours at all, and we'll drink like five tons of drink by the time we finish this but yeah everyone's different <laughs> um so yeah with this episode um fantastic tense opening we find out picard is critically injured and group is telling him he's dead just like what um again brilliant character development that builds on from samaritan snare when picard told wesley how he got his artificial heart we actually show see uh picard's father as well you do yes this episode actually shows us as we find out more about his past, about his time at the academy. So, Jamie, it used to be cool. yeah. Can I just say something that's really just simply just coming to my mind? You know, it's kind of here. Here's people in heaven you could meet. I think it could have been really interesting if they did, uh, brought in um, Jack. Oh, Beverly's uh, husband. Uh, yeah. Ex- yeah. I think that would, that would have been, been a really interesting kind of thing to show. Mm. Carrying on from what was in family. I think that would have been an interesting thing. Sorry, Jamie, I kind of jumped in there, but I, yeah, it just came fine. to my mind. That's fine. Um, so he used to be called Johnny and he was very much a ladies' man. Um, oh, whoops. That's stupid. Sorry, I'm done. Just scroll down. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I've, paper, I was, I'm paper reading doesn't, my note. Paper, paper doesn't do that. No, really, that is one of the advantages of paper. Um, <laughs> so we find out how he, how he was before he got his artificial heart and how to find who he was. Excellent script that is in the great dialogue, performances and messages of the episode. Love the interplay with um, Q and Picard. Um, a thoughtful, in-depth study looking at what happened to Picard if he hadn't had his back pierced, heart pierced, sorry, and how different his life would have been. Um, I like the parallel of how uh, Picard used to be. And in a, in a way, he kind of mirrors Q a bit. So he's kind of arrogant and undisciplined, which is kind of how Picard describes Q now. But he's kind of, so you've got like, again, there's more to Q than that. He's not just arrogant and undisciplined. But it's a last part of who he kind of is. And it's kind of, that's who he is now. And Picard's kind of looking at a reflection of him, himself, back when he was younger, if that makes sense. I've got to mention this, the scene of Picard finding Q in bed next to him I thought was absolutely hilarious. That just made me laugh. Um, um, yeah, so just a lot I loved about this episode. Uh, do you want to say what you found for it? The messages? Um, treasure the time you have with friends and family. You never know when that time with them will be gone. Always have a choice. Don't interfere with other people's lives. YOLO, you only live once. No need to resort to violence, so fighting. Always seek permission. Don't take things for granted. Don't 
trust your life to technology. Good you one. have to do um, what you think think is right and love. Everyone deserves a second chance because I say and love in that one because because it's the passion of being a captain rather than kind of being a science technician that he was in the uh, mm. alternate timeline. Every decision we make has consequences. Choice is an important part of life and everything happens for a reason. Um, that's fundamentally it. Yes. Yeah. I've got... Um, so a notion of life and death and the afterlife with Picard arriving, white light surrounding him and clearing what it means. Making mistakes like Picard did, did in this episode are sometimes necessary to make someone change for the better. So obviously, as you saw... He was he was actually cautious and reasonable, and he lost all his friends, and you know how things turned out. Um, we all have regrets in life; we can't change it, and even if we could, we shouldn't always. Uh, so again, Picard changing his choice, and you know, it was a horrible thing that happened to him. But ultimately, as you said, it made him a better person. Um, seize every moment in life, as you only have one shot. Um, our choices have consequences and one moment can change everything as Picard finds out when he tries to change things um, and sometimes you have to take risk and chances in order to advance in life and your career if you want to get somewhere so again I know this speaks very reminiscently of me of playing it safe so as Q says to Picard you know as when he when he's astrophysics officer was it Lieutenant Junior Grade? Something like that yeah. oh damn Nothing that you just muddle on through. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and again, there was nothing in this episode that I disliked. I didn't find any problems with it. I said, fantastic episode. So, I mean, and again, I think a lot of lot of people listening, would, most fans would agree. Um, next one. Yeah, Birthright. Part one and parts two. Oh, yeah. Uh, am I doing this or doing these? Uh, I think it's your turn, yeah. But I can read them out if you want me to, I don't mind. No, no, no. Go on. Uh, the Enterprise visits DS9, where Wolf encounters Uridan, who claims to know the whereabouts... I got a K for that. Knows the whereabouts <laughs> of his father. Data and Georgie assist Dr. Bashir in co- conducting an analysis of a piece of equipment. Exit power overload. Overload. Shuts, Shuts down. down. Yeah. Um, so that's part one. Following on, Wolf is trapped in a Romulan prison and discovers that the occupant... Huh? Occupation? No. Occupants of the planet. Have sacrificed any features they might have to settle down peacefully, coexistence. Something like that. You know what happens. Interpeaceful coexistence, yeah. Um, It's okay. Oh, this is... Oh, do you know, Birthright is a... It's an interesting, and in a way, it's a very frustrating two-parter for me. We never, we because again, we discussed this on the phone as well. No end. We didn't quite know what to make of it. We really didn't. Yeah. Um, I really we, liked. We, go on. We couldn't quite work out whether it should be one episode, whether it should be two. What to do with it? We couldn't yeah. make our minds up what to do with it, because I was going. Because no, this should have been one. Oh, like two separate episodes. Jane was then going, no, actually I like the later bit, but I couldn't care less about the wolf stuff. So we end up with this mess that isn't quite anything. Karen, Jamie, you, say, you carry on saying what I'm saying, and hopefully I've helped it. 
Oh, you have. You have. Because, I mean, for me, what's frustrating is part one is really good. And it even sets up the wolf plot very well. But then you get... That's my issue with it. Mm. Because my issue with it is you have two father plots coherently. When with family, you need another flavour. And in this, there is nothing. The, the data plot, I think the data plot and Wolf, I, I personally think that works fine for me because you do have that again. Data, there's a nice conclusion to it. It's dealt with. It's Yeah. But I, my issue with it is there is a lot of dead weight in this one. There's a lot of dead time in it. And I think you, they should have stretched out the data plot to extend into part two. Agreed. I think they should have done. There should have I mean, been a better blend to it rather than dealing with um, data stuff entirely in the first part. And then, it, sure, but even in the second part, you still have them going back to the, the Enterprise to find Wolf. So you're going back to the Enterprise anyhow. So why not finish up like the Enterprise leaving DS9 and then finding... That, that would make sense with... Bashir walking off screen. I I, yeah. I don't know. Just it's yeah. James right. It, it's damn frustrating. It is because part one is said is set up really well. I mean, you know, and then part two. It just it basically. I think what it comes down to. For I think I think we're both on the same wavelength here. Part one and part two for like different plots, like different stories. It don't mesh together well. That was the problem with it. it it they just... shouldn't spend enough time in the prison planet because there's an awful lot more depth in there that you don't get to see in some of the deleted scenes. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, the whole thing about um, Wolf and his father, just it just peters out. It's like, I, I mean, I know you said this to me, if his father had been alive, you would be treading over old ground a little bit. Yeah, but... my solution was I think you needed a memento that he picked up from the other guy. That would have satisfied his friend, yeah. Yeah, that so would have satisfied so... me to no end. Not have him there, that would mean too much. But to have a memento like here, your father would have wanted you to have this, here you go. Oh, whoopsie, you're stuck here. Well, the thing for me is, you know, Wolf's actions in part two are completely, just don't make any sense. They go against everything before in terms of his character. And it's like, if his father's at least alive, at least he has motivation to try and... You know, I, I could understand it, but it's just, just no, there's no reason why a wolf acts the way he does. That's in, that's logical in any way. I think and, that again, this is another episode where I think you would have, I think you'd get something from seeing the other thirteen minutes, forty-one seconds of deleted scenes. Maybe that would have helped. Maybe that would have helped. But I mean, you know. In terms of part one, so like, you know, I said part one, it sets things up well. So, you know, I've, I thought, nice opening scene in DS9 where Geordie and Wolf have lunch at the Replomat and Wolf isn't sure about the food, but then he enjoys it. And of course, it's no, cool it's, having... No, that's another callback to, I think, Icarus Factor. Yeah. Where he likes plastic food for some reason because he's mm. Klingon. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's weird. Cool having Dr. Bashir on board the Enterprise. Um... Again, this is just from part one, but you know, shocking revelation that Wolf's father may still be alive. I thought it would be cool continuity that we continue the Wolf's father as a track story for seasons three and four. Again, excellent performance um, with um, Michael Dawn. 
and Brent Spiner and even Alexander Siddick. Um, I thought the Wolf and Data plot of balance were in terms of screen time with good pacing. And again, as I said, I love the mirroring of, of the plot, two plots. So with the theme of Lost Father, so Data having images of Dr. Sung and Wolf with his father's revelation, both trying to find out what it means. And especially kind of, you know, and uh, the, the, the fact that Data comes to talk about having this vision, because obviously Klingons have had visions. Um, I love the scene in Ten Forward with Data coming to offer advice, like, the way the camera pans from data to walk with the music as it goes into music about fathers and his own, I thought was a really, just a really emotional and profound moment. It just, it, it just echoed with such depth. It was just, I don't know. It was just amazing. Um, and obviously good character development for data. As we find out he has reached the next stage of his development to become human by having dreams. Um, obviously this will come useful later in, in one of your favorite season seven episodes, so si, phantasms. Note, note the sarcasm. <laughs> Do you really hate the episode that much? Don't like it. No. Nah. Um, You're fine. You'll get there and you'll go, oh, actually, nothing actually happens in that one. I don't uh, get it. Um, I love the, also, I love the metaphorical imagery in Data's vision. So, like, the bird taken off the flight is Data spreading his wings by reaching the next stage of his development with the hammer anvil representing him being made of moldy bug Dr. Soong. So I just love the fact that his kind of growth is kind of, is, um, is explored for those kind of images. I just think that's really, just really quite cool. Um, and again, the ending leaves an intriguing mystery when Wolf fives the Klingons and they won't let him leave. And his friend, father's friend says, there are things you don't understand. I thought that was good. Deleted scenes, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> What did you, what did you, well, I'll say what did we find, because we're going to do part one and two together. Uh, the problem is I have with this episode and Descent, and I'll get into this later a bit more, I think this episode is the detriment of Descent, because this, is, because this is the, like the first, I'm going about this wrong, but the problem with Descent is, it's dealing with data and his bloody emotions. Yet we've already dealt with that in this one. Which makes the whole thing completely unnecessary. And actually makes that one uh, Dex Rental. Because it, it it's all done negatively. Mm. Whereas this one's all very positive. Like, oh look, you dream now. Whereas that one's all, you can, you have feelings and they're negative. Yeah, Stop I, it, I, data. It's I, like, I, no, no. I think that, I think actually, I've got to say, I think, I just said, I think the juxtaposition in terms of data being how he was, it, it actually, it was very against his character, but I think it was too much. It, it didn't, it was very jarring, I found. Um, it completely contradicts this one. Yeah. And that um, angers me this one. Right, with this one, the Iridian shuttle is a reuse of the Zybalian shuttle first in the most toys. As you kind of hinted at earlier, the shots of the Enterprise at in, in, uh, DS9 is the same one that is in Emissary, surprise, surprise. Um, there's a famous blooper when uh, Bashir walks away from camera. He can be seen wearing white tennis shoes or shoe covers, which he wore to reduce noise uh, during recording. Oh, okay. Apparently, and I'm sure... Jamie's going to have something to say about this, but this is apparently what it said online. This is Enterprise D's third visit to Deep Space Nine after Emissary. I don't know, but that's what it said. Huh? I don't know. 
don't know. Don't, I don't know. Okay, go on, carry on. I don't know. This is what it said, Jamie. I don't know. No, no I'm not blaming you. I'm just intrigued. Like, okay, so... Oh, I'm confused. I know, so am I. I don't know. I, I don't know whether they class Birthright as two visits or what. I don't know, but that's what it said. Maybe. Um, DS9 appears to be the place to see the clash between the old TNG uniforms and the new DS9 uniforms. Uh, the alien field generator used by Dr. Pashir would later be reused as a Starfleet Polaron generator in time and again. Um... Tagalong Shrek, played by J uh, James Cromwell, is the first Eurydian to appear in, next in Star Trek. And if Next Gen has taught us anything over the past six years, is that Starfleet designers should, shouldn't make glass tables because they tend to get broken. I think I've said that every time they get broken, <laughs> that they should, shouldn't do it. Like, no. Um, just, no, don't, don't do that. Do you want me to do part two, or am I or doing that later or soon or uh, something? Don't mind. Um... Uh, the carrier for prison map painting would later be used in uh, Meridian. Um, the daytime, day and nighttime shots would be later reappear in the storyteller. Is this part two you're talking about now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the deleted scenes. Oh god! So there are eight. Picard and Troy discuss wolves leave and his motivation to find his father uh, toked um, the Romulan guard uh, Romulan in command realising that nothing will be quite the same again on four. a uh, different version of the legend of Kalos told to the young people you'll hear an awful lot of that Wolf argues with um, the young woman I don't know their names I'm I've I said this to Jamie on the phone. I don't. I don't. I'm no good at them. About uh, having a Romulan husband. What? Uh, but <laughs> oh, that's not. Oh, that's the um her mother. That's right. Yeah. You find out more of her backstory. Husband killed at Kitma, and she has a son on Cronus. That's right. I get so confused. Wolf tells more of the Kalis is unforgettable, but his uh tale contradicts rightful heir. Uh. Slew Molar with first Batleth, origin of uh, Warrior's word. Uh, Wolf is determined to become a martyr, but uh, Tokath doesn't understand the Klingon way. Tokath tries convincing the young people that Wolf isn't a martyr, talking about the compound being a community. Uh, Wolf's final message is received on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Omitted as it was summarised by Picard's Captain's Log. And I think I said this before, I would actually prefer that version. I don't know why, but it, I feel it works better. Mm. That's everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I said, I've, I've mentioned about part one. Um, part two is where the problems really, really start. I mean, what I will say, some of the things I did like about uh, part two... The notion of the Klingons and Romulans together is initially interesting. Good performances by the whole cast. I thought it was inter I think we both kind of said this, didn't we? It's interesting seeing how the Klingons would hunt. So as Worf takes uh, the Klingon toke hunting, and it, again, it's a bit of a tenuous thing, but it does have an impact on Worf personally in the future when he feels he has lost his faith since the episode I brought up in Rightful Air. 
but I just have a whole host of problems with part two. Oh God, where to start? Um, the way Wolf is captured seems half-hearted and oddly slow. I just found it lacked any real tension. He seems in little danger throughout. Again, I've mentioned about Wolf's father already. The, the plot feels entirely different to part one. I said Wolf actions throughout make little sense undermine his character. When Wolf is alone, especially you know, apart from the his colleagues, is like the right. It's like it's like they forget he's a Starfleet officer first and a Klingon warrior second. So. The moment Wolf is captured, he no longer acts like a security chief. He's like ignores the prime directive and asserts his beliefs as a Klingon into society, irregardless of the consequences. Um, prime directive doesn't, doesn't apply. Doesn't it? They're um, what capable. Mm, okay. Doesn't apply, Jamie. I still think his actions make little sense, but fair enough. I'll give you that. So. <laughs> I like it. I just don't love it. I, I don't hate Robin's it. Robins live together in harmony. Yet Wolf makes What's that. I thought you stopped. Oh no! Uh, oh no! I'm still going. <laughs> Do you, what did you want to say? You carry on, Jamie. Okay. I think it cut out. Um, so I I thought you finished. Oh yeah. Again, another blurb to say bloody stupid technical problems. The Klingons and Romulans live together in harmony, yet Wolf makes an issue out of it. Like, why can't Klingons and Romulans get along? It's like Wolf himself says his own son needs to find his own path, and that might not be being a Klingon warrior, which he accepts, yet he can't accept this. And it's just, I find it is very arrogant of him to assume the Klingons are brainwashed and tries to get them no, to be like him. No, I, don't, I think you've kind of missed the point here, Jeremy. It's the, the older generation enforcing their will on the younger people. There's two different things going on there. Yeah. It's the fact that these people are stuck on this planet when they could be going out living their lives. The, the older generation are quite happy living in their own world, but the younger people are sheltered lives. They don't. They have never. Be, they've never lived their lives. They're surviving on that planet when they could go out and see the universe. They could go to Romulus. They could go to Kronos. Yeah, but do they want to? That's the thing. They did. It? Well, they went, didn't they? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Wolf doesn't even give the players a chance. Um, I, I just... Uh, this again comes to what you were saying. They do at the end. Part of my problem is they switch... Again, I know it's the passage of time. I get that. It's probably more than a few days. It was probably weeks or something. But editing-wise, it just made it seem so quickly. And oh, oh, we've got to talk about the thing that we both got. The whole crap of, oh yes, I found a Klingon ship crashed on our planet, and the Romulans just helped us bring them back to the Federation. What? Huh? How yeah, does that, that work? No sense at all. When everyone's um, going, like, and he told Troy, oh yes, I'm going to bring up Klingon, um, a Romulan prison planet. Is that, <laughs> huh? Like, seriously? Like, we're just going to forget that fact? Like, I found the romance between Bell and I can't remember how bloody pronounce the name myself, but her and Wolf, I just felt contrived and half thought out. There was no real chemistry there at all. I, I, the end scene with Wolf saying no one should know of the camp and that talk and never clue on you should honour their parents' sacrifice. Very contrived and insulting. Wolf just, he's just literally made himself, you know, he says that, but he's like spent whole whole episode literally spending disharmony and conflict within the camp. You know, I still think you're missing part of the point, Jamie, but yeah, okay. 
I don't know. I just felt his whole speech he did. I just felt it was very. I think trite. you've missed the pit of the uh, sub sub um, like the kind of reading between the lines. Maybe, but uh, I get I get what he, I, I do get what Wolf is saying. You know, they made that sacrifice. They went all that way. The Romulans looked after them, but just I don't know. I just I don't know. I just the way it comes across is just like they made this sacrifice. You just undone everything. It's just like you know. I just. I just, I don't know, I just, I just didn't. The thing is, that's Star Trek in a nutshell. That's Starfleet in a nutshell. Hey, there's a planet here, let's go and screw them up. Mm. It's like, that happens every other week, Jeremy, so uh, that yeah, didn't bother me too much. I think it's just the way Wolf says it just at the end. He's just, he's, his speech just very, very hollow. It just doesn't ring true for me in any such way, but I, I just had a whole host of problems with part two. It just, doesn't really work unfortunately and and it's a uh, it's a real shame I, mean, I think i probably found more problems than you did but it, i think we're pretty much on the same wavelength aren't we with this this one aren't we as i was saying i like it i don't love it but i don't hate it part it one is, is great it's just very mediocre part one is great it's part two that i really didn't like part one is really really good it's just part two i'm not a big fan of but um, so some of the messages I got, uh, from this was, uh, let's see, part one. Oh, God. Sorry, it's going. I've got a lot of notes for this. Um, so visions and dreams are important in revealing to us important information about ourselves and our families. Uh, if you find out a revelation, sometimes if it's something important, you must try and seek answers. Do not stop until you do. Part two, um, remembering who you are is important, as Wolf says to Tokar, saying he robbed them of that. Um, and obviously, um, I think there's a kind of, there's a hint of kind of, it's not outwardly said, but I think there's kind of, from Wolf's perspective, there's like a notion of Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing. Does that make sense? Mm, kind of. Yeah. Sure I entirely agree, but kind of. It's, it's tenuous. It's very, very tenuous. It doesn't really outrightly say it, but... The Klingon stayed to preserve their family's honour, but also the Roman and Tarkov let them stay and they intermingled because they were technically their captors. So, well, so trivia obviously, Chief O'Brien is mentioned by Geordie saying he needs to talk to him about the replicators, he doesn't like food, which obviously means that the O'Briens are already at DS9. Um, so that's really all I got from it. What about you in terms of messages? What did you get? Some treasure time you have with friends and family. Uh, truth will come out eventually. You always have a choice. Hope we can come to the most unlikeliest places. There's always another side to the story. Perceptions can be changed. Embrace your heritage. Uh, every decision you make has consequences. And don't jump to conclusions. Something, but nothing yeah. loads. Yeah. Uh, so, next one? Yeah. Oh, yep. Starship Mine. This is your reading this uh, one, aren't you? Is this your one? I read it. I read the last two, Jeremy. Oh, you did. So can I read the next two then? Yes, Jamie. Because it's your favourite. <laughs> you sure? Because mm, I okay. want to read the one after the next yeah. two. Yeah. So, right. yeah, it's fine. Cool. Um, so Starship Mine. Um, the Enterprise stops for a routine decontamination sweep, requiring the evacuation of the ship. Picard decides to return to catch a riding saddle, but while there, he notices that unauthorised modifications has been made by a team posing as Starbase technicians. Star Trek Die Hard. Yeah, uh, great episode. Always enjoyed it. 
I've always liked this one. Um, well, so have I. I didn't put it up, but I no, it. same. Yeah, um, always enjoyed it though. Um, let's see. I've got loads of trivia. Gone. What did you get? Ah, right. <laughs> Surface shot of Arcania bases a reuse of the Gagarin for station from Unnatural Selection. Um, small terrorist ship is a reuse of Lysarian Sentry Pod turned upside down from Conundrum. Last time we saw Picard's saddle is um, Pen Pals. Possibly yep. something the writers of the show didn't know, as Troy doesn't seem to remember. Uh, Crush, Crush Show was rented f- uh, for five days from the Pony Express Sports Shop Inc. for $125. This is only the second time the emergency turbo lift to the Battle Bridge is seen being used since the pilot. Um, the shot of the Picard on the bridge on his own is very reminiscent of Kirk doing the same in This Side of Paradise. I also want to know. I said this on Tony Jamie. I want to know who Commander Calvin Hutch Hutchinson upset to get the Arcana Space Remnant Array assignment. He he does start to go into. I would love to have found out who he pissed off to get that. Um, It's interesting getting a chance to get a glimpse, a a good look at the mechanics behind the bulkheads in engineering, which I've noted down. uh, The GNDNs. If you know anything about Star Trek, you know they mean the. Goes nowhere, does nothing. Um, and this is an oddity I didn't quite get in the hostage scenario down on the planet. Um, power play proves that data can't be stopped by phaser fire, so he can't be held at gunpoint or be held hostage. So why is he being held hostage? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, yeah. and this is what one bit I did say to Jim on the phone, and he did like it, and it did make his mind ponder. What's the trailer from Resin destined for the Marquee? Yeah, because that I was... think that's where it was destined for. I think that's where it was going to end up in. It was going to end up in. I had inkling, like I can imagine it being used in um, Mike Weddington in like season like four or five of DS Nine. Mm. I just had that vibe from it, and he, I do just sit there with data going. You could just like, come on, right? <laughs> you know, I think in a way, I think maybe they were new writers. I don't know, but there's a few instances now we we brought up stuff that the writers, the details the writers seem to forgot about what characters know. It's like Troy of the Riding Saddle, and, and what was the other one um, about um, Commander? You know, Commander. You know, but the uh, Carolyn Seymour playing, thinking that character from Contagion was dead, and they could have used her for the same character in Face of the Enemy, and they didn't. Maybe that's a sign of the fatigue. Going for six years just forgetting key details. They've gone for so long. I, I don't well, know. I just sat there and went, "What? Huh? Come on! Like, we've been through this already." And like, just so you have the whole thing of let's set up a sonic disruption thingy thing as a distraction. Are you going? Why? Like you kind of don't yeah. need to. Just kind of that you know, data go all terminator. Just like, just, why? It's like, probably a figure. Like, oh crap, we've run out of time. Shove in a distraction. That's what we need. Yeah. Um, and, and I love why there's nothing about kind of Hutch dying. Like, yeah, don't worry. We'll, not... we'll, we'll, have, we'll shove a sheet over him. No, kind of, oh, I'm. Oh, oh my god, he's died. Um, 
I know, it's like they, they set him up and then just forget all about him. It's just like, oh, all right, then. Which is a bit sad. He's a very yeah. annoying character, but you do sit there going, oh, poor guy. Like, really? I thought, I, I thought his character, I thought he's great. Nah. Um, nah, he would get on my nerves. Fair enough. One perfect. I'm going to find someone like that and look in a cupboard with them and see how mad you go after like half an hour. We'll see. Um, so what I liked about this was um, the. I, I just love. This, this made me laugh. So the inside of the car and the ship getting ready to evacuate, especially Wolf and Geordie wanting to be excused from Commander Hutchinson's reception. <laughs> and Data's yeah. small talk in the terminal lift made me laugh. So just, it's like, Mr. Wolf, it's like, Geordie, Mr. Wolf beat you to it. And just the, the smug grin on Wolf's face, I just loved. Um, and also a lovely moment when Picard is alone on the bridge looking around and reflecting. I thought it was just a really nice moment. It's got Tim Russ in it. It does indeed have Tim Russ in it, yes. That's part of a trivia, Tim Russ, isn't it? The performances by Brent Spiner, so, so, but Brent Spiner, I don't say it's funny. The performances, obviously, by Spiner, mimicking Commander Hutchinson, played by David Spielberg. And when they engage in small talk, are excellent and hilarious, with the crew's reaction just really amusing. Um, getting great performances. I, I love um, Riker's light, isn't it? Data? Is it Riker or Crusher? I don't know who to feel sorry for. And yeah, you know, I think Hutch, because you know oh, he's yeah. not going to get out of that ever. Or it's kind yeah. of <laughs> not going to phase Data at all. It's like, yeah, I'm going to no. put the program into action. I don't care. It's just like and we're talking for hours. How can you talk for hours about nothing? It's just let's see. Uh, obviously, I think Picard. I think Stuart was brilliant as Picard on this. I, I like the way he cleverly outwits the face, not just with actions, but worse so by. Pretending he's not the barber, so they underestimate him. Um, nice to have an action type episode for a change. Can I show. say something about Mott? I say oh. later on. There was a deleted scene where Mott could have appeared later on. Oh, is there? Not not in this one, but in another episode. I'll bring it up. Okay. But he he could have made an appearance in, oh, another appearance in this season. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, you're going to mention it when we get to the episode. Okay, cool. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, so what was I saying? Uh, nice to have an action-type episode and showing Picard's physicality of protecting this year, not just through negotiation, etc. Um, I thought it was a really fun, intense game of cat and mouse between Picard and the Thieves as he uses a laser welder and crossbow as his weapons. Um, I also like the solution of, with the others being held hostage again in the upper hand with Georgie, was it during a hypersonic burst that overloads the human senses? Like yeah, just yeah. some techno battle to. Yeah, um, trivia obviously. Completely unnecessarily, but yes, that, that does yeah. happen. Obviously, Tim Russ is in this episode, and obviously, Picard does the Vulcan uh, nerve pinch, doesn't he? Which I, I think, I mean, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm thinking that maybe he learned when he mild with Sarek, maybe. Kind of like. When Archer did the same thing with the was it the Kartra and had the Kartra in his head or whatever it was, Kutra, isn't it? Kutra Kartra, whatever it was. So I think that's how he knew how to do it in this episode. With probably his mum Melvis Sark a few seasons ago, you could explain it away like that. You can, I think you can just learn it anyhow. But yeah, possibly. yeah, um, yeah. So I, yeah, again, it's a good episode. It's solid. Enjoyable to watch. Um, uh, what did you What did you get for it? Like messages or trivia? 
Uh, well, I said all the trivia. Um, oh, teamwork is an important part of life. You always have a choice. There's no need to resort to violence. Needs of many outweighed needs of the one off you. Treat people how you'd like to be treated. Something wrong, take action. Don't take shortcuts. Chrome doesn't pay. Safety is paramount. That sort of thing is that if he hadn't gone back for a saddle, it would have gone without a hitch and they would have got the resin. Yeah. Um, every decision you make has consequences. Don't underestimate anyone. You have to be in, ingenu in, ingenuitive. Is that one again? No, that's it. Jeremy. I'm done. That's a good. That's a good. Good. Uh, good mixture. Um, I've got um, a captain must sometimes defend his ship with fists, not words. Sometimes honesty is not the best policy. So Picard lies to the terror. Uh, say terrorist, but the fears about who he is, so they underestimate him. And small talk is important to break the awkwardness and silence in conversation. <laughs> so, well, it was just a silly one there. On to the next one. Ooh, next one. Uh, lessons. And this one for me is immediately going up. Yeah, same here. Yeah, is it? Oh, yeah, you did say before, yeah. Um, when Picard goes to the Enterprise, Prize's stellar cartography department, he, leads, he meets Lieutenant Commander Darren, who intrigues him with her unpredictability. They begin to form a relationship, but Picard worries that the rest of the crew might misinterpret it as interfering with his command. Every time I go to season six, this is always the first episode I think of. Always well, comes to, to mind. hear Jamie say, I flipping love this episode, because that's what he always usually says. I flipping love this episode. There we go. <laughs> Something like that. You always... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a classic next year episode at its heart. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I know I know, some romance episodes in Star Trek, are, you know, they're, I think they're varying degrees of hit and miss, but this is an episode that just works on every level. It's just a lovely, lovely episode. And, you know, you really get to see a different side to Picard that you don't normally see. It's just really nice. And, you know, I think the romance is, is very touching. I think it's believable as well, the way it develops throughout the episode, despite only being one episode, I think it's believable. Oh, um, so what uh, many things I liked about this, um, again, grateful performances from Stuart and guest star Wendy Hughes as, uh, commander Darren, as they fall in love. Um, said lovely romantic chemistry between the two which feels organic and believable as they bond over music and fall for each other uh, many wonderful scenes between them particularly when they're playing music together which is just really emotional and heartfelt and again this is what elevates it for me this episode the link to the inner light which I just love He play, obviously Bacar playing his flute and he actually um, he plays the tune that he did in, in, in the inner light as well doesn't he yeah. he plays the same tune and it, um and he actually tells Commander Darren about his experience and how much how much it means to him, how much the music it means to him. Again, I've said about the character development, happy nice to see us it's nice to see him happy. It's lovely to see. Um I think also that the three M's that are um in this episode are refreshingly different from past episodes as well that we've had this season. And that explored really well. And and I think I actually one of the other things I, I quite like is um, 
uh, obviously it explores about relationships with co-workers have been complicated and I think it actually shows you instead of just telling you oh this is happening it actually shows you that as well so like when Riker tells Picard he's uncomfortable with Nella's request because of their relationship um, I, I thought this is good it's the funny scene with the way Riker reacts when Picard asks him to join him in playing fencing I thought it was just brilliant it's like what is happening here um Again, nice hint of Beverly's crush from Picard and her jealousy when Nella tells her they have been spending time and playing together. I think you said to me it kind of hints at their, that, that underlying attraction between Picard and Beverly, which is brought up in, was it Attraction next season? Attached, Jamie. Attached. Sorry, attached. Sorry. Attached. Thank you. Again, I think, um, you know, you come to care about Kamana Darren's character. And, and again, it would have been nice to see her again, see her relationship with Picard continue to develop. Um, and I also found that the main plot, so the main romance, obviously, and the subplot of the Firestorm was at Boralus 3 is actually blended together well. Uh, and actually, uh, with Nella being on the away team, it actually makes sense that she's on the away team. It's not just a case of, well, just use this as a plot device. It actually does make sense that she would be on the away team. You know, it just, yeah, just, oh, just a fantastic episode. Just, just beautifully done. You know, and it just, it's really just very moving. And I said, every time I watch it, I always just get lost in the episode. I really do. Um, about you, so what did you like about it? And I didn't find much in it, but I think partly because I knew you'd loved it so much that you'd written enough for both of us. So I've written barely anything. I've got enough three M's. Um, it will probably be the same next, uh, the uh, reverse next episode. Mm. Um, so I don't feel quite as bad, but uh, trust me, Jamie. Next episode, I have a full A4 sheet of paper in front of me with tons on it. So <laughs> don't bet. you worry. I have got very basic stuff for this one, but that's because I love this episode. But again, it's one of those ones I don't need to explain it. You already have, and the audience yeah. knows why. Uh, it's very basic stuff I've got in mind. It's simply. The Borgonis Nebula shots from this episode are reused from Hero uh, Warship, where it appears as a black star cluster in Sector 97. Celeste Cartography is a redress of science medical lab last seen in True Q. Large central console was constructed especially for this episode, but would later appear aboard Amagosa sta uh, Station in Generations, and the orbital tether control in Rise. Um, I think it's interesting they use similar shots in 10-4 during the performances like they did during Sarek. That's it. That is it. Fair enough. Uh, what did you get for the three M's then? Uh, needs there of many outweighed needs of a few. Treasure the time you have. Uh, you only live once. YOLO. If there's something wrong, take action. Safety is paramount. Everyone serves time to relax. Don't mix business with pleasure. You can't help who you fall in love with a little crazy thing called love every decision we make has consequences and don't give up so easily there's a solution to every problem that's it i i didn't write much but i i wasn't worried because I, it was going to go up anyhow and yeah and you know that kind of writes itself and yeah and also as a bit of trivia um so Picard not only plays his the the, the tune from the inner light, but also um, Ferrajaka, which he sang to the, the science kids to get them calm in disaster. Yeah, which I thought was really quite cool, bringing that back. 
Um, so I've got relationships with co-workers can be fraught with consequences, so especially between a captain and member of his or her crew. Cutting yourself off from emotional feelings can just have just a serious consequences too. It's important to find a balance. It's important not to let emotions cloud your judgment and objectivity. And social inter- interactions and connecting with others is important for your mental well-being. And, you know, I think that, you know, just and the moment kind of where Picard, you know, I think one of, for me, the, the moment just where he he just doesn't want, you know, it's the moment we kind of really brings that kind of like the emotional feelings kind of thing is, you know, when he feels like he thinks he's lost her and he's just sitting alone in his quarters and you see that long shot of him on his own again and just he, he closes, was it, the lid on his flute and he's just sitting there and it just it just begins to shut down. I know, I know it's only well, brief. Do you want to know what that is? Do you know what they do that through? Glass table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't break, though. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, it's just a great episode. It really it is. And I said, the three M's, it's just nice to have different ones. It's just nice to... It's just a great episode. Just I, I, Another I staple next-gen episode. Yeah, and we sound like broken records at this point, but it is true. And I've, like I said, I always, that's the first episode I always think of when I think of season six. So, of course, I'm going to put it up. It's just a no-brainer. Um, next one. This is my one. This is yeah. my one. And and this is a bit of kind of folklore and something I've always said to Jamie. I love this one. I can't stand the one after it. My God, I can't <laughs> stand that one, which I can never understand in this season. Professor Galen comes aboard Enterprise and attempts to recruit Picard on a private expedition. Picard turns down Galen's offer but later finds himself taking up the project when Galen's ship is attacked and destroyed. That does not summarise that episode enough. That no. really does not um, summarise that episode enough. I'm not... If I recall, you sort of said beforehand you liked it but now you love it a bit more. Yeah, this is not going up but it is a really really good episode and it's again i didn't used to hate it but i used to like i still liked it but it's better, I better than i love remember. this one yeah. i love it i love archaeology paleontology i love all that i always have done so this is my like bread and butter this is star trek to an ounce of key this is this is what we were saying early seasons every character being utilized perfectly yeah and acting like they should do and I completely understand why you put this one up. I definitely do understand it. Now, interestingly, the whole time we've been doing this, I've been utilising the Extra Astro Science Observations website. Right? As part of my trivia. Yep. Interestingly, they stop after this episode. Yeah. It's a slight, so, what? it's a slight issue. What do you think they did? It, they came out recently and said it's very time-consuming, which I completely understand. And yeah. You know, you've already done, similar to us, I've already done six seasons, five five or three, five and a half seasons, whatever. It gets a bit tiring after a while when trying to dig through every scene for every minutia. It's a well, bit of a pain. Yeah, well, I can understand that fatigue was said. <laughs> um, probably, yeah, with us doing the season reviews like every year, but that's, that's tiring enough, so I do get where they're coming from. Go on. Even though we do enjoy it, but yeah, sorry. But this is one where they reuse everything. There is everything you can possibly imagine. They think of it, they reuse it. They reuse the Nebula shots that I was talking about in the last one. So, um, reuse from Pen Pals. 
Rare 4 is the first of several named planets in an episode that uh, reappear. And Goja 3 is the same. And Rise re Reuse. Such of um, uh, injury, uh, injury 8. Atmosphere being destroyed by a plasma reaction is pretty much a reverse shot of Tangra 4 from True Q. Uh, there are some really horrible planet names in this one. <laughs> Velma 2 also appeared in, um, as Takana 3 in Identity Crisis and Ragnar Sikonia in Man of the People, to name a few. The uh, Galaxy Map was first seen in the emissary i also love this because i'm re-watching it at the moment it also appears in uh the sarah jane adventures also worth checking out by the way that's a short plug there in the remastered episode the list of tested crewmen was replaced to the members of the production team which is quite cool uh i like the way the preservers are the designers of the dna computer program i have a bit of a theory about that as well again which is why i love this episode did the preservers embed the knowledge of warp drive into the DNA. Hmm. Because, cause yeah, because, I mean, obviously, each species, a lot of these species have got similar DNA fragments. And maybe and it wasn't what just... do they all have? What do the Romulans have? What do the Galatians have? The Clones have? And the Federation have? Oh, I don't know. Warp drive. Yeah. Is that by chance? I don't think so. So, so if I if I have DNA fragments that can make them look similar to each other, then why not have similar knowledge? Why not? Well, that's another copy and paste. So I, I, that was my thinking to it. Very interesting. Like certainly have, plausible. I would like to have seen the unnamed Romulan captain played by Maurice R O E V E S again, possibly in all good things. You know, Captain at the end. I love that guy. Yeah. I'd like to have seen him again. I think that it was Salem Jenks playing the female preserver in this episode that got her the role of the female changeling in DS9. And you know I was talking about a deleted scene? Yeah. There's the scene where Mr. Pot is being tested, because he's a bolian, being tested for DNA samples um, for a bit of light humour and a bit of comedy. Which was nice. It kind of didn't add anything, but it was fun. Mm. I just... I, I, uh, it's, it's, I just love it. It's it's one of those things that the pacing is perfect. They don't skip Great. a beat. There is they don't waste a single moment of airtime. All the characters are doing what they should do, saying what they should do. No one is out of character unusually for no apparent reason. Um, first, oh no, it's not. I was gonna say, oh, actually, it's the first time you see Uridian ships. Listen back to our Uridian episode to find out more about that ship because. Surprise, surprise, they just reused the bugger. Just a bit smaller in another episode. I can't remember which, but they do. Um, Galen has a, a, a shuttlecraft that he's got of his own. I, I, just, I don't know what you could say wrong about it. And again, it's another bit of... It kind of follows on from Tapestry, which I think was why I love it. Because it's another... Here, here's another turn left scenario where he could have gone down the archaeology route. And it's just like another de another depth in Picard's personality, which is kind of works into what you were saying about the last one, about yeah. Picard's love of music. It's just the other flip of the coin. I love his archaeological side. You love the musical side. So we can both understand why. And we've probably got about the same amount of notes for each thing. You've probably got nothing for this one. 
but I've got loads of this one. So it works out well. I just love it. It's just... If I ever watch anything, I always end up on this disc. I always watch that one and completely, without a single doubt, miss the next one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nothing more I can really say. I love it. I really do love it. And I think from... We've spoken about this on the phone and it's like... So like, like the last three years you haven't chosen what you've loved, what you've been passionate about. Why don't you do it this year? And I think it's not going to be any surprise. It's going to be this one. For I, it is just next gen. In a nutshell, it's just it couldn't be any more next gen if it tried. Yeah, and no, the and same you... could go for. Lessons. It is that in a nutshell, just with a love story shoved in there for good measure. <laughs> Jamie, um, do I need to say anything else? No, I mean you've you've done pretty much. I mean, I said the whole thing about I said his past, about his biggest passion, archaeology, great character development. I think it sets up the mystery of what Professor Gaines found very well, making us wonder what it's all about. The mystery of the DNA fragments is a great and satisfying path at the end with profound It is. I don't, I, the only thing I don't get is how they don't know about it. Every other bloody major power knows about it. Yeah. Yet the Federation has no idea at all. And you're going, what, really? Like, he, he pretty much talks, he says it, like they'd say about it in the first few minutes, but the no one costles on. They're like, oh, what's he been doing? He says it. Like, micro paleontology. Like, hello? Like... Like, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> um, but, but even I, with that, I still love it. I I don't care. As, as I've always said in these shows, if you love the episode, you're willing to overlook I'm it. Okay. I'm willing to overlook that one because it's like, eh, whatever. Who cares? Like, if if they haven't got anything to find, they haven't got a plot. So I don't care. Like, I, I get I also, eventually. I also love um, the scene in Ten Forward. Um, with the Klingon challenging Data, the cut call challenge, and he tries to headbutt him with Data explaining why he can't hurt him that way, and when he tries to bribe him, I think that scene is just hilarious. And I it's, love... yeah, the, and the, it's the other way the the other species know what it is. Yeah. And it's oh yes, you know, oh it's a powerful weapon. Oh, it's a power source, and it's just like you and know, it's completely it's, different. It, and even from that, you get a glimpse into what their mindset is. Like oh yes. Klingons, oh, it's a weapon. And then it's, oh, it's a power source. So we, we need power for all our people. And, I, you know, even from that, you get a small glimpse into their mindset. And the Federation going, I don't know, could be anything. And then, uh, like, you know, oh, it could be a biscuit recipe. And, the, you know, I love the Klingons going, oh, you know, go back to Kalesa, I'll send you it. Like, I, lo- I just love just kind of all of, the, and, you know, the rumblings in the background, you know, just being Romland, you know, being atypical Romland, just playing in the background, putting all the strings, because you know, yeah. just because even in the fact that don't turn up to the end is not alarmist. Like, well, they're Romland, so but they are the thing way. is, they were with the Uridians. I'm pretty certain they were with the Uridians, yeah. and they were going to be the eventual. So they're there, but they're not there. But you know they're there, and you know right. they've already got that information. But it does work. It does really work. And I just think, and I love how they explain the, disc- the discrepancy 
example, how speeches look the same across the franchise. They actually explain why that is the case, which I just thought was great. And and I think you and said it this to works me. into novels because of the preservers. Yeah. It's just and again, the preservers also work into SEO as well. They come up in that if you're interested to learn more. It, it just it's nothing more you could shove in there. It's chock full of little stuff and. And I also like to, I think you said the same, like the little bit of optimism and hope at the end between the Romulan yeah, and Yeah, that's card. a lovely way of ending the show of going, and it does have a small payoff in, like, Nemesis. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, yeah, I would love to have seen more of that guy. I think he would have been a nice Romulan to appear in all good things. That would have been a nice payoff for that moment. Rather than some random Romulan that no one gives a crap about, right? <laughs> um, the messages I got from this episode were everyone loves a mystery and wants to solve it. So as Picard asked Professor Galen what he's been doing for the last decade. And I love this kind of, it kind of sums up what it, uh, it kind of sums up that piece that was whatever it was. And when, he, when Picard comes to the observation lounge, we are a collection of individuals that have many different voices inside with a different um, style and view of the world that determines the decisions we make that leads to the past we take. Just thought that whole film was good. Really cool. Um, Dream not of today. I, again, it's, everything is yeah. well constructed. That There's always an undertone between um, on what's going on. There's more subtext going on that you're aware of it's just very multi-layered for a single episode plot it is incredibly filled with ideas and concepts and just kind of going actually you've got it all wrong this thing's actually going on oh, and not to mention the ideas and concepts that the episode has actually make it works it, it it flows really well and it's explored well you know um i also got cooperation with others is sometimes the key to working things out and despite all differences between us, we are in some ways very much the same. We should work together in friendship and harmony. So what, what messages do you get? I bet you've got a ton for this one. I've got loads. It's an unusual trope, but treasure time. You have friends and family. You never know when they'll be gone. You also have a choice. No matter. Uh, no need for regrets. The truth will come out eventually. People deserve a second chance. You always have to be capable of forgive and forget. So, archaeology, Picard's hobby, you know, kind of forgive him for making uh, not going that down, down that path. Peace mm. is a worthy goal. There's uh, always another side to the story. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Love changes people for better or worse. You can't blackmail people into doing what you want. Always seek permission. Everyone deals with the same problems in life, no matter the background. All species. I think that's the main one in this one. Everyone deals with... The, oh, I've said that one. We are all more alike than unlike. Similar thread. Everyone, Everything happens for a reason. Every decision we make has consequences. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't give up so easy. Don't look at people. And everyone has untapped potential. Just... Yeah, yeah, just great. I just... Yeah. Happy. Happy Simon. Happy Simon. Yeah. Hey. And, and that includes the next one, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, next episode. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, <laughs> frame of mind. Um, Riker's rehearsals for an up-and-coming play about a man in an asylum are punctuated by feelings of paranoia he can't explain. 
But after the performance of his play, Riker suddenly finds that he is indeed in an asylum and and is quickly losing his grip on on sanity. Yeah. Uh, Can't stand um, this one. Can't stand it. I do really like it, but I've got to say it's not a favourite contender. It, it would have been in the past, but I do have a couple of issues with it, and I can kind of understand where you're coming from, so why you don't like it, I do kind of get it. So I do, I do really like this episode. I still, re- I still love it. I still think it's a great episode, but I can kind of understand where you're coming from. Um, I mean, for a start, this is not your kind of episode. It's, it's, and I think, and I think what you kind of said to me, it's been done better elsewhere. As you said, what was the example you used? It hard time was it? Hard time, yeah. Because yeah. as I note down here, they don't spend enough time setting the damn thing up. And then when they do, when you go back to normality, oh, guess what? It's back to Billy Mental Asylum. Oh, that's different. Like, the other Mental Asylum scene that we've had for the other last bloody ten minutes. Like, this episode... start? Just, oh... This episode is the ultimate mind screw-up. I'll say mind using the F word, but, you know, I won't say, but it's the ultimate mess-up episode. It's a mess-up with your mind kind of episode. Because it's the same as... You just remember how much we loved cause and effect. It's that thing again, just with five tons of bloody mental asylum. And if you, as I said yeah. to Jamie on the phone, if you don't like mental asylum, you're screwed. So this yeah. whole episode, I was screwed because I didn't like the mental asylum plot, subplot. I don't know because I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> so I was screwed for 45 minutes when, I don't know, 30 minutes of it, they won't tell you what actually happened. So what the hell am I meant to make of any of this? Where it's like, and the you other, the, don't know what happened. The other thing was what I found with this episode was I yeah. think I think it's done too late on. So like you know we're meant to swallow the notion that Riker has been a delusion of being a Starfleet officer, living and all this time it's like six seasons in. If it had been done like the first couple of seasons, it might be more believable. But six seasons in, it doesn't really work. It's like. Despite the confusion, like you know, it's like yeah, he's it's probably not a delusion. It probably isn't. We needed to see him go down to the freaking planet. We needed to see him get trapped in that damn alley that we kept hearing about. That would have probably helped me a bit, but nah, no, I no, mean, nah. Just... I mean, maybe that was the whole point. I mean, you know, kind of it, it said it taps into the whole kind of idea about kind of schizophrenia and that kind of thing and maybe they're showing it from that perspective because you really can't remember periods and all that, all that. I think it shows a re- it really deconstructs to someone who is you know um, who has those kind of conditions maybe I don't know but maybe they went too far with it just to the point where you can't make heads nor tails of it but maybe that was the point does that make I sense don't know. I just don't like it yeah. Um, the first episode directed by James L. Conway since the neutral zone in season one. David Selberg plays Dr. Cyrus, but played Storm Whalen in The Big Goodbye. Andrew Prine and Suzanne Thompson appear. They later play um, Terrell in Life Support and Khan in Rejoined. Not that anyone can forget that. Uh, Riker is on Ward 47. Yet another... Easter egg reference of that. I did look that up, but I can't remember what it refers to, and that is it. 
um, for me, uh, what I really liked about this episode was excellent performance by Jonathan Frakes when he's acting on stage and thinks that he's in a, a mental institution one if he's lost his mind. Um, I think it's actually, it might have gone overboard, but I think it's terrifically structured. It really plays on your mind with what is real or not. It really does. I mean, even though I've watched the episode enough times, I kind of know it's still kind of a bit of a, like, oh my God. Um some different and interesting 3Ms. I think they have depth. Um, creepy music, which highlights the, the suspense and gave me chills as well. I could keep shifting from the institution to the enterprise. Um, and I love, I like how the the settings and costumes for the mentioned institution versus the enterprise reinforce the fragmentation of Riker's mind. So of him being a Starfleet officer and then a criminal has killed someone. I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, some of the, um, what messages did you get from it, sir? I got some. It's just um, the truth oh. will come out eventually. If you need support dealing with something, ask for it. Don't abduct people. Don't abduct <laughs> people again. <laughs> if there's something wrong, take action. All governments lie and cover things up. Because I remember it being a government crap. But it's so subtle. I barely, I could have missed it. Nothing is quite what it appears. Everything has their own way of coping with things. Everyone needs closure. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Don't drop your card and be aware. <laughs> be prepared. Every decision we make has consequences. Don't walk blindly into an obvious trap. <laughs> th- th- that's it. That's... Right, um... I'm done. Like, I can't do anymore. That's like... all right. Um... <laughs> I've got um, three episodes. Uh, so what I got was it's a bit of trivia. Suzanne Thompson, who plays the inmate Jara, would also play the Borg Queen in Voyager, and Dr. Lanara Khan in Rejoined in DS9. Yeah, um, so I've kind of said that bit, yeah. The three albums <laughs> I got was um, sometimes it's healthy to explore the darker side of your psyche, as Troy says to Riker when he's rehearsing for Beverly's play. So the notion of mental health that sometimes we need treatment to get better to be able to understand what has happened and the consequences of our actions to be able to function back into society. It's very frightening losing one's mind. So I think that's that's kind of why they showed what was happening of that fragmentation of Rikers and the Enterprise and he's back in the institution, etc. So it reinforces the importance of mental health. So we need to look after ourselves, not just physically, but also mentally. We can't always trust what we see. So Riker can constantly switch in between the two places. The mind is very powerful, and when under extreme stress, it can manufacture images. And it's important to acknowledge your feelings and confront them and talk about them to be able to heal. So, yeah, again, really like the episode, but it's not a favourite contender. Because I could could kind of understand where you're coming from with that episode. Yeah, uh, that was the episode I was most terrified about going into this season. Yeah. And you, you did kind of joke, like, tease me about it the whole way through to build up to it as well. I was just like, oh, look, we've got that coming up. So, aren't you, aren't you pleased? And it's like, yeah. sod off, Jamie. Like, no, don't go there. You know what's going to... Yeah. But, yeah, I, I got it a bit more, but God, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Again, it's one of those episodes of, you know, you can understand why I like it, but I can understand why you don't. So, it's it's... it's Fair enough. Uh, next episode. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to poorly written characters. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> and, and this is where oh, I think I think gosh. either a fistful of datas or rascals would have gone well. This point here, because after 
after frame of mind, you needed a nice, you needed a week where you could just chill out and relax, just not think about anything. But there you go. Doctor Crusher goes out on a limb for some reason because it was in the script by gathering some <laughs> some of the brightest minds in the galaxy to listen to a proposal from a Frankie scientist Rager, which nice nice things happen for once for a powerful sub subspace shield. But when Rager is found dead, Crusher's neck is very much on the line. Why the hell is she detecting stuff? Like, yeah, we, I know. We, we had this discussion on the phone. You have a chief of freaking security that you've just forgotten about, right? And who 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 is used at Quiel? So I get I get why Beverly with the whole oh. thing with the autopsy. I do get aspects of why she did. That there were certain bits, but she shouldn't have been the overall one investigating it. It's just Ooh, like this, this man should be alive, but he's dead. I can't figure it out. Oh, for God's sake, woman, he's he's alive. Like, come on, like. Where's all the writing gone? Like, like oh my god, like... Well, the thing is... To... Don't do it, first of all. Don't think... I love the way she just goes around with a blunt hammer just going, was it you? Was it you? Oh, yeah. what? No, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No! Just... Did you sabotage the project? I mean, literally, the thing that gets me, the, the one of the biggest beefs I have with this episode is... The murder mystery of aspect of whether Dr. Rhaegar actually got murdered. The autopsy reveals no evidence. And yet, how does proving his theory that the metaphasic shielding uh, was just tampered with prove he was murdered? It doesn't. I don't get I don't get the logic behind that at all. Now I get it proves why Rhaegar was right, it was sabotaged. I just don't see how that's evidence that he was murdered. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. We're meant to accept it as evidence when it's not. So I'm sorry. Can I also point out how the frick did Jabril get from <laughs> the morgue into the shuttle with no one seeing him? Good point. How? Like, he's in the morgue. Like, does Nurse Agar go in there and go, oh, he's not there anymore? Like, <laughs> like and does the crew members just kind of wander around and go, you know who I saw walking around the corridor? I saw Jabril. Did you hear he died, though? Eh. Like... How does that even work? Like, I, I haven't checked it by to Shuttle Bay Two, but my <laughs> God, that's still a long way. But you... even by even by, even if you go not using corridors, using Jeffrey tubes, that's still a bit kind of. Wait a minute here, like, there's gonna be engineers around there, like. Well, let me just... ask, let me ask, let me ask you another question. Did his pla did his plan actually make any sense? Of what he was doing and why. Did it actually make any sense to you? Yes, I'm afraid to say it did. Because it's kind of... Discredit it, then steal it off him. That's what they were going to go for. I don't quite know who he was going to go to Dar, but... <laughs> but I just, no. No, doctors aren't detectives. They shouldn't be. That's why you have security officers or Odos and... No. Well, the other thing I found as well with this whole thing was the episode missed a great opportunity. And I think, you, I, I'm not sure, I think you may agree with me, unless I'm not sure, but I think I might have said it to you, where you had the murder mystery, but they, you had a whole medical ethical quandary about... Um, oh, autopsy, wasn't it? I think yeah. that's what you were saying. Like, you should have focused more on that. You spent yeah. some of the time with that. But, oh, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I, it's Star Trek doing what it shouldn't do. 
it's just... It's I, I don't know, it just does not work. And then you compare this with Acriel, and that's why I think that one works better than this, does it a million times better. In terms of the mystery aspect, oh yeah, definitely, absolutely, it does. This one just annoys me, because there's just so many things wrong with the damn thing. Like, the trivia's alright, it's just... Again, on paper, it probably sounded brilliant, but when that you got down to recording, my god, like, what? No, 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 no. Characters don't do this. That's just. Well, one of the things, well, some of the things I did like about the episode, um, again, I like the opening scene. I thought that was good. It, it does set things up. Like, why the hell isn't Beverly a doctor anymore? Um, I thought it was refreshing to have, I think you said this, didn't you? Uh, have an intelligent Ferengi for a change instead of being kind of how they're kind of seen as silly, dishonest, and just off the profit. Well, I think, my, you... I, think I explained it away, because by that point, you have got DS9 up and running, so you yeah. have then got real written Fringy again, so you've yeah. got Quark, and you've got Rom, and you've got Nog, so next year had to up their game, and then this one, it's like, well, we've got to write someone decent enough. Yeah, and I think... It can... And I like the guy, I actually like Rager, he's a really nice yeah. guy, and it's a shame he got killed off, but that's Star Trek for you. Hello, we've met you, oh, whoops, you've died. Well, that that brings me on to one of the other points. I love how self-aware the episode is when he's when he says to Be- when Doctor Rager says to Beverly, "If I'm used to anything, it's skepticism. After all, if a ringy scientist is almost a contradiction in terms. No, don't deny. It. I know how the fringy are regarded. So it's like almost like the series is trying to make up for its own mistake in portraying the fringy in the way that it has done. Yeah, um, we did have this debate on the phone as well. It's like yet yeah, then you get um, what's that guy's name in Seven? Yeah, then it kind of undoes itself with the Pindamon Bok coming back again and just acts just like a typical for it, a typical early for it. He did. It's just like, oh, again, it's another example just backwards of bloody writing. It's like, you made great progress, now let's undo it all. Uh, uh, yeah, um, what else? Um, I also like the concept of Nesophasic shielding so that it would protect the shuttle from the star's corona and that they use it um, in descent. As well, which I thought was again nice. Well, yeah, I also had that written down. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's just right there. Yeah. Um, initially, <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. Um, initial, I thought the intriguing was it was initially quite intriguing with that Doctor Joe Brill was behind it, but it doesn't make oh, a lot of sense. It doesn't work because it's like, yeah. oh, it's a new species. Oh, we don't know anything about them. Like, it's just like, like again with that, it's like in plain sight. Like at least yeah. with Acriel. It's not in plain sight as much. No. You probably um, saw it still in that one, but in this one it's like, hello, like, like, Claxon's going and all that going. It's like, oh, we're, there you go, it's that chap then. I also um, found um interesting parallel... Sorry, will you finish, Si? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've only got uh, two more points. Um, okay. I thought it was interesting parallel between Rhaegar and Beverly that he was willing to prove his theory including piloting the shuttle himself after Joe Brewer's death, and that Beverly was going to do everything she could to find out what happened to him. I just thought that was an interesting parallel. And I liked I liked that Nurse Agawa helps Beverly try and solve the mystery at the end, even though she could get in trouble for it. So Yeah, it is interesting. Six years on, we, I think our notes are slowly merging slightly. We, these days we tend to come up with some few uh, same notes. Yeah. Um... Last appearance of Guinan in the series, which is a bit yep. of a shame, but that's the thing. Uh, that one was said. Uh, science lab, science medical lab gets reused again. Not that I've seen that at all. 
Um, the Justman Shuttle was named by executive producer Rick Berman in honour of producer Robert Justman for his contribution to TOS and TNG. Um, and interestingly, the Justman Shuttle was the shuttle that uh, Moriarty used in Ship in a Bottle. Although, what I didn't mention in that episode is, the shots don't work. They have two completely different shuttles being used in the damn shots in that damn show. <laughs> They have one type of shuttle at the beginning of it launching and then a completely different internal one. Don't get it. But, you know, whatever. That's stock shots for you. And the last one was similar to what you were saying. I, um, I think Nurse Girl was one of the most unsung heroes in Next Gen of the kind of last few seasons. Yeah, and, you know, she does get a nice bit of character development as well, doesn't she? I, yeah, in she's shame. a really good character. You needed that, and I think she was a good friend to... Uh, Beverly. It, yeah, I just the episode just does not work at all. It's just like the basic premise just does not work, so you can't get a decent story from it. No, it's a shame, really. Um, I've got so some of the messages I got was don't judge a book by its cover. So obviously the whole thing with the, obviously Doctor Rager. Um, it's important to remain objective when conducting your own research. So the other side they say what's someone other than Rager to pilot the shuttle. Sometimes it's necessary to put everything on the line to prove something, and, and understanding and respecting other people's customs is important. Although the episode kind of skips over this, it's like, you know, that's the other thing I that just I found jarring. It's like Beverly's taken oath to Starfleet. She can't. She shouldn't like do this. And like five minutes later, she's just doing it anyway. And it's like, okay, then right. Do you get? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and if you, so you finished that one? I haven't said mine. Oh no, big pun, you're gone, yep. Um. What you got? Sorry, I'm just adjusting my notes slightly. No, that's alright, so I, <laughs> I wasn't sure if you read yours out or not. Uh, the truth will come out eventually. Honesty is the best policy. Anything is possible if you put mind to it. There's no need to resort to violence. Safety is paramount. I said that twice. Uh, help can come from the most unlikely places, so Dr. Crusher. New technology can be fraught with problems. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Do what you know. Get the best person for the job. I don't know, like a detective. <laughs> be diplomatic. Always have an always have evidence before accusing someone. Don't jump to conclusions. This is a, a, a note I was adjusting. It'll make sense in a minute. Rules are made and meant to be broken. Everyone has untapped potential. And this is one I'm going to say, out. It was it was just saying rules are meant to because I had rules are meant uh, rules are made to be broken and then rules are meant to be broken so I've kind of compressed them. That's what I was okay. doing. Not Fair that enough. anyone cares, but yeah. It's, it's, just, no, just no. Go and watch something else. Go and watch something yeah. better. Like the where, next one. Where, go and watch something where they've actually put character development into it. Like the next episode. Yeah, well, I found this one also a bit weird, but you know. I really, really like this episode. Now, I, I know, you told me on the phone. phone. <laughs> um, so, rightful air. Um, Wolf journeys to Boreth to me- uh, meditate in hopes of glimpsing a vision of Kalis. Wolf and many of the others are surprised when Kalis actually appears and announces his intention to return to the throne and put the Empire back on a path towards honour. A great Klingon episode, further deepening the Klingon mythology of Kalis. I think it's explored really well. And just, yeah, I just, 
this episode surprised me. It's be- again better than I remember. What about you, Sai? You said it was a bit of a weird one. Why did you say that? I liked it. I've never loved it. Again, it's <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> Just didn't sing to me. No. I, I, I liked it. I've always liked the idea of it, and it's, I don't. I think it's a, it doesn't quite know what it wants to say, though. That, I think that's my issue. It doesn't quite know what it wants to say. Hey, do you wait around for Jesus, or do you just make home and that will be good enough? I, I just don't quite know what it wants to quite say to someone. Yeah, it does seem to have a kind of dual messages, doesn't it? It's a bit convoluted. I think that's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's why. I think it's my issue. It's just kind of, oh, don't worry. It's just too much of a hassle waiting around for Kayless. Why don't we just make a copy of him and that will do. Oh, wait, no one should know, but... Oh, everyone knows. Oh, never mind. <laughs> what did you get from this episode, then? Uh, lots, and there's tons of bloody deleted scenes for it, because I have been through the ringer this year with deleted scenes that have actually throttled me, because uh, this one, there's 12 minutes of it. Go on. With another six out. extra scenes. Right. Oh, this is fun. When James E. Brooks was pitching the story, he dubbed it Jurassic Wolf. It referenced the Jurassic Park... Also released in 1993. Uh, much of the lore of Cadis Road in this episode originated from cut dialogue from Birthright Part 2. I don't know where you heard that before. <laughs> Early in episode, Wolf makes references to his visit to Corona uh, 4 from Birthright Part 2. Um, as you say, it kind of. Um, and I thought it would be quite nice to see the young chap in this episode I think that would have been quite cool I, that would, again it would be a nice link oh yes I wouldn't have, re- I wouldn't have rediscovered my Klingon origin so I came here but they didn't go for it um, final appearance of Garon before House of Quark in DS9 uh, interestingly Kalis K- clone warns Garon do not stand before this wind when six years later he'd meet his end in another episode of DS9 written by Ronald D. Moore entitled Tackling Into the Wind. On to the 12 minutes of deleted bloody scenes. Uh, more details about how Wolf has neglected his duties resulting in him being confined to his quarters. Uh, Wolf questions Kalis Cone about why he was chosen. Enterprise crew discuss... This is... Actually, there's a few good ones in here. Um... Discuss Kalis, where you find out Garon wanted a Federation ship because of his concerns, and Burrath communications were cut. A scene explaining Alexander's absence in episode visiting Wolf's parents on Earth. Kalis clone is bored of Kurath talking politics to him. Uh, and an argument between Kurath and Garon about allowing the Enterprise D to take the Kalis clone to Kronos. So there's a few really good ones in there. It's just an awful lot of tut to get through before decent stuff. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I like it. I just think it's a bit contrived. That That's my issue with it. I, I, think, I think that's why I've never loved it. Because it just never quite knew what it wanted to say about the Khan, the Kalis clone. Like, make your mind up. What do you want to say about it? Like, do you want to approve it or is it a bad thing or what it's like they kind of go for a bit of both like yeah well maybe that was maybe that was the point it's a complex issue isn't it so you've got to kind of find a compromise in between haven't you really 
for me, what I liked about this episode, I liked the small impact from Birthright, as I said about the wolf losing his faith. Um, I like that you learn more about the Klingons with their rituals, so about the priests, about Kallus' teachings as they pray for Mboreth. It gives the Klingons more depth as a species, and you can see how much of an impact Kallus has had uh, an influence on Klingon society. I think the respect of religion is the crew consider Manny Wolf that he could be the real Kallus, as Picard says they have no right to judge or treat him otherwise. I thought it was some really great commentary about religion, faiths and beliefs, and how it can define a society, whether with positive or negative repercussions as Wolf says to Garen that Kalis can unite their people and give true meaning true meaning to what it means to be a Klingon or it could cause division and split the Empire leading to Klingon civil war I thought it was a thoughtful and loud script so neither side has been painted entirely as right or wrong so Garon is clearly driven by a need to protect his own power, but he is right that the return of Kalos has the potential to split the Empire. But Koroth is also right that the Klingon society has grown decadent and corrupt, something past episodes have provided ample examples of. I love how Data shares his own leap of faith concerning who he was when he was activated, that he chose to believe that he was more than a collection of parks and that that helps Worf deal with his own faith crisis. Um, obviously, and again, great performances across the board, particularly from uh, Dawn as well, Robert O'Reilly as Garon and guest star Kevin Conway as Kalis. Some of the messages I got from this episode, you should try not to let personal issues affect your work, as Wolf says to Picard at the start. Um, religion, faith and belief are a big part of our lives and it's important that as it can define who we are. To seek answers, you must always ask questions and question things. So whether that is things you always knew or not. So when Wolf, when he questions um, the priest about Kalis not appearing or when he appears, and Wolf is sceptical about his identity, an idea can have a powerful impact on a society, whether positive or negative, as Garen says to Picard. It has no weapon to destroy or a body to kill. And the power of faith versus the need for empirical proof. So the priests want Klingon society to accept Kalis simply because he exists, says all the right things and makes all the right claims. And obviously, Garon rejects Kalis out of hand because his return after more than a thousand years is seemingly impossible. And kind of in between, you've got Wolf, who is desperately wants to believe, but who will not make the leap of faith without evidence at the, kind of at the start of it. So, yeah, that's, that's what I got from it. What about you? Uh, truth will come out eventually. Honesty is the best policy. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You can't recreate God. Everybody needs something to believe in. All governments lie and cover things up. Sections can be changed. Have an open mind. The quote, the more things change, the more they, they stay the same. Uh, help can come from the most unlikely places. Clone Kalis. Uh Nothing is quite what it appears. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Things don't turn out quite how you imagine. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't lie and manipulate people. You've just got to have faith of the heart. That was meant to be a kind of joke of their uh, enterprise. But, you know. Oh. <laughs> that went right over my head, didn't it? And I forgot it was a joke, so I just read it plainly. When I, was meant... when I, when I wrote it, it was like I was going to sing it. Well, at this, I, point, I at, at this point, if you can't doing this all together we've, we've then probably been out for about four hours so we're probably feeling a little bit tired so it's fair enough um next yeah. episode and i'd also explain i haven't looked at my notes in like a couple of days yeah 
Like, I'll put it in perspective. We're recording this on Sunday. I finished my notes. I, well, I finished the special features on Friday. To put it in a bit of perspective. So I didn't watch Descent until, I think, Thursday. Mm-hmm. So you can tell that I had a bit of a rest. And I've forgotten some more bits. And, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, next one, Second Chances. Yeah, I'm putting it up. Same. Uh, the Enterprise returns to Nevada for where eight years ago, Riker led the recreation of Colony. Riker returns to the planet who he is made to find the next duplicate of himself, recreated by the original uh, trans- transportation eight years ago. Another example of obviously the transport being used as a plot device, but in this case, it's actually done very well. And obviously, I know they've done this before, obviously kind of with the duplicate Kirk but again this is slightly different and again better done as well I I've, I've just always liked it it's just a fun episode just kind of yeah and was... it's something that Nixon has played with no end they did it in Times Square they just they always have a good fun time with kind of hey it's you but not quite you but never mind data and law it's, they've pretty much done it with most of the cast, I think, by this point. I yeah, I don't know how we say but they do. It does feel like. That. Yeah, I was just thinking of when you were mentioning that, yeah. And, yeah, I, was, I said I, I was surprised because it was between this or Rightful Air, but this one just. I, I don't know, maybe because it just has. It's, it's, I just think it's. The message is a bit clear, and I think it has more of an impact on the future as well, maybe. I don't know, but I just. This episode just. I've always enjoyed it, but this year I just I, I loved it. It just oh, I just found a lot for this one. It just really spoke to me, and I just thought I've got to put this up. I just I mean I've literally got for like in terms of what I like, I've got like it's my final epi- points gone. It's my final episode that I'm putting up for this year. <laughs> same, same as well. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Another weird thing I find with this is two clone episodes in a row, which is another oddity that I've never quite got with this series. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of our one of our criticisms of season six, the order of where they've put episodes together, where they retread our grads, so whether it's the cloning, whether it's a holodeck malfunction, or, or meant to be just fun like episodes, they haven't done a partic- they didn't do a particularly good job. I don't think it's just. They needed to start. I don't know where you would put them, but I think you just need a bit of separation between these kind of things. But it, it is what it is, isn't it? So, so what what did you like? And what are some of the trivia you found for it, Cy, for this episode? There is hardly anything for this one. Um, uh, the Nevada Four Outpost would later be reused in Descent. Uh. And you've already said the other one. Thomas Riker would later appear in Defiant. Yep. <laughs> the only other bit of mainstream trivia that everyone knows, but I still quite like, think it's quite cool. Dr. May Jemison, the first African-American astronaut in space, cameos in this episode as Lieutenant Palmer, who's she's the transporter lady, who ran the show. Oh, I say it there. Who ran the transporter. Michelle Nichols visited the production when she was filming her scenes. That's it. Um, so what I liked for this episode, uh, loved the opening scene where Willis paying his trombone and Choi requests, was it a song called Nightbird, a solo which he's never been able to do in 10 years. And of course, it doesn't happen because he gets called to the bridge. I just thought that was 
funny as hell. For, again, the revelation of another Riker, like, what the heck? Again, if you're watching from a first-time perspective, again, you said the impact on the future as well, with uh, Thomas joining the Marquis. Well, um, they were originally going to kill off Will Riker and have him being replaced by Thomas Riker yeah. for the last little bit of the series, just to mix things up. Mm. Uh, just, just, you know, cause it occurred to me, doesn't that sound very much like another certain show that got rid of a character in, oh, I don't know, season, end of season six and replaced it by a kind of very similar character to what who oh, left? You talk about uh, Dax. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't just, you know, that's, oh, and next gen never did anything. Oh, right, oh damn it, it almost did. There's so many instances where actually... DS9, uh, Next Gen was a darn sight more um, interesting and less veneer than everyone thinks it is. Yeah, and I think I do, I do agree with you. I think I do partially agree with you on that. What else? I think the effects of the upcrate another Riker duplicate, I think it still looks impressive today. I think the effect actually still looks quite impressive still today. I said about the notion of duplicate, them doing it. Again with Kirk, I think it's done better here. Like, explored better in terms of the character and that. Um, excellent performance from Jonathan Rake playing both Rikers. You really feel like they are different people, even though they look exactly the same. I like the reference to the Icarus Factor in season two, where Will tells Thomas they should contact their dad and let him know they details and they patch things up when he came on board and was offered the area ship for command. I thought the the romantic relationship between Deanna and Thomas is well developed and they have nice chemistry. Although I know that will probably plays into because it's kind of real, but it isn't. So that's probably why it does kind of work. Um, gives you an in-depth... Go on. It's a bit alarming that Geordie didn't realise the note on the warp core. Isn't it? Like, didn't notice it at oh. all. <laughs> like, okay, um, sure, that's not disconcerting at all. He's like, he's like chief of engineering. You, you, you gotta, you know, you're, you can't. Do part of your job is to, you know, see things like, oh, that's a malfunction, or that's like, yeah, you don't even notice that. So and bit... the other thing is, Thomas Riker really makes her work for those bits of paper. She work out where they are on that ship. My God, they're miles away. Yeah. My God, like her quarters are on like probably deck eight or nine, something like that. So she's got to go to transport's room, which I don't think is too far away, but it's far enough. It's all the way down to deck 36 for engineering, and then all the way back to deck 10 for final reveal. It's a bit well, kind of... Well, okay. this, this Dana gets plenty of exercise, so she can't complain so much. Uh, gives an in-depth look at Will and Dana's past relationship. So talking to Thomas, she tells him she was disappointed when Will didn't turn up at Riser. Uh, again, some great scenes when Thomas leaves clues and pines for Deanna to find. When Beverly and Deanna are practicing Tai <laughs> Chi, that <laughs> just totally laugh. Um, and the way she just Beverly just acts, I just thought that was hilarious. And Thomas joins, and when Thomas joins and Beverly leaves, and him him and Deanna kiss, and the, I like the poke and the poker game scene as well. I thought was really good because it wasn't just actual filler; it was actually. Where they're betting it and, it and how it ends kind of reflects on their situations. Knife, as Thomas says, you always got the better hand, which I just thought was kind of a bit sad, kind of, you know. The rivalry between Will and Thomas as they look at each other as a reflection. So for Will, Thomas is rash and unpredictable like he was eight years ago, whereas now Will is more mature and cautious. 
I also think... Um... I, I think the phrase, Jamie, if I can quote another series or another oh. season, you're more seasoned, as I think Troy yeah. will put it in um, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Yeah. That's the awful go. thing to tell a man. I think Crips, I think it's that whole thing. Again, it's it works back into the wisdom, wisdom bit of it, kind of. You know, kind of, he, Lieutenant is still a, you know, kind of, um, um, uh, doggy thing, isn't there? Puppy, like, excited puppy. And Will Wrecker really isn't anymore. Like, I'm too old for that crap anymore. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a commander at this time and yeah, point just... in time. Like, eh, like, another day. <laughs> like, um, I also like the fact there was a legitimate reason why Thomas leaves the Enterprise and Deanna is really still on board and they don't get on. Um, maybe because there are also two of them and they find it strange. I could certainly understand that. Um, and also, I like the lack of resolution at the end. So even though Will and Thomas gain respect for each other, but they, they don't just don't really get on. And Deanna and Thomas's relationship is kind of left up in the air. She may join him in the future. Obviously, we know that doesn't happen, but... Uh, and I also like the fact they actually didn't kill off Thomas, because that would have just been a typical cliche. Yes, just kill off the twin. And it's just, ugh. I'm glad they avoided that. I think I think it's better for it. Um, yeah, just ugh, just a great episode. Some of the messages I got from it um, was, everyone deserves a second chance in life. Uh, it's never too late to start your life over. So even though Thomas has been on the planet for eight years and he's still lieutenant, he still wants to make something of himself. Feelings are complicated, messy, and can change. So obviously the whole thing with Deanna is, you know, it's, it's a different person, but he isn't. So just that whole thing. Um, reflecting on oneself and seeing something in a double can make you see something you don't like within yourself. As Wolf says to Data when he asks why Will and Thomas don't get along. Um, and experiences and knowledge change who you are over time. So Wolf moved up in his career on the Enterprise with Starfleet resources while Thomas didn't have that opportunity and had to make do with what he had so yeah what about you what did you get from it you always have a choice teamwork is an important part of life people deserve a second chance relationships are fragile yeah you only live once go low help can come from the most unlikely places so the right alone don't take shortcuts life is unpredictable everyone draws from their experiences People change naturally over time. The only person who who is standing in your way is you. The only person stopping you is yourself. Every decision you make has has consequences. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't give up so easily a solution to every problem. You have to be ingenuitive. Choice is an important part of life. So I've got a good amount, I think, and a few new things. Every now and then I do do something different. So, yeah, I've always liked it. Yeah. After all the heaviness earlier on, it's quite nice to go with something reasonably simple. Yeah, yeah, again, I, I agree with that. Next one. Uh, Timescape. Uh, is this me reading it or you? I think I did last one, didn't I? I think you did, yes, I believe you did, actually, yeah. Uh, just get it up. Um, returning via runabout from a conference, Picard, Troy, Geordie and Data encounter strange disturbances in time. Finally locating the Enterprise, they find her in exchange of fire with a Romulan warbird in a zone of time that moves so slowly it appears to be still. I've always liked Timescape. I think it's a really great, fun episode. I I've just, never got it. You've never got it, I'm I know. The other, I'm the other end of the spectrum. Um, and I just think 
in terms of kind of time kind of concept, I think it's great. I really like it. I've, I've always enjoyed this one. I spent the whole episode bamboozled like I do every time I watch it. It is quirky for quirky's sake, but I don't quite get it. I I don't quite get what they're trying to get at. I um, what's, what's I... the point? I <laughs> well, in in all honesty, I didn't find uh, I did find some things for this episode, but I just yeah, that, that's the problem though. You do something yeah. going, huh? It's it's there. Yeah. It's, it's I can't complain that I haven't watched something. I have obviously watched something, but I don't know what. Um. Well, some of the things I liked was um, I liked the opening the opening scenes as funny as anything. So Riker and Crusher in sick bay as he tells him he got the deep cuts and trying to find Data's cat spot, feed Data's cat spot. He says he doesn't like cats whereas she does and tells him you just have to know how to handle them. He then leaves and just gives her a phaser and says you'll need this. <laughs> and, then, and obviously on the shuttle with Diana. Um, the whole thing about the scientist who wants, who's, who's it inter, is an interspecies, um, he's like an expert interspecies mating rituals. <laughs> and, then, and, he, and then she says, oh, well, he asked me to help in his empirical research. And, and Data goes, did you help? And she goes, I certainly did not. And it's just, it just completely passes over his head of what it's actually all about. And then obviously, um, the course, the very famous uh, Picard impersonation. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic, so that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was quite hypnotic. Well, I was you. I think you're constantly on about Picard song, aren't you? And that's yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um, good ending to intro. Makes you what hap- makes you wonder what happened when Geordie is talking. And he freezes alongside Picard and Data. Again, I, I said this really great time episode with uh, the concept of time accelerating at different rates in different parts of space. I love the time pun when Geordie says, this is going to take some time. Picard said, replies, well, Mr. LaForge, it seems time is one thing we have plenty of. And then when Riker asked Picard at the end to ah. explain what's... Well, I think that is a play on something that was said in the similar interaction to, I think, I think it might be Contagion. Where um, it's a discussion about how long the ship's going to blow itself up. Mm. So there is a thing where you know, kind of goes, you know, it's either us or them, us or, us or the um, from the warbird. And it's sort of you know, time is a um, a resource we don't have in a plentiful um, supply. So this, mm. I think, this was a kind of complete opposite to what he was saying in this one. It's like, oh yeah, we've got loads of time in this one. Oh, we've got no time in that episode so i think it was a very the other side of the spectrum i don't know i don't think it's really a reference but i found it interesting that it was kind of the complete opposite scenario mm. happening of oh crap we've got to get it solved in two minutes oh well doesn't matter we've got 200 like we've got endless amount of time to solve this one yeah and you know and even if it's not the part of the intention on the rise it's as you say with that reference and it still works it makes sense and I like when Riker asks Picard to explain what happened. He replies, it's going to take a little time to explain, number one. Um, I like the usefulness of the crew in this episode, especially Deanna, as she takes them on uh, as she takes them on the Romulan Warbird, having some knowledge of it from face of the enemy. I think that was a really good little reference and good usefulness of Deanna's character. 
Um, I love the effects of the Enterprise and Moorba standing still with all the crews frozen. Although I did notice, it, and it, I've got to say, this is very hard to do. You can, I think it's in the transporter room. I think it's one of the Romulans. You can actually see him moving just ever so slightly. But again, standing still for that long a time, it's got to be difficult. So it's fair enough. Um, and I like the twist in the episode, what's going on. And, and they, they assume the Romulans are responsible with how the situation looks with the ships and the positions of the crew and the Romulans, but they're actually just actually trying to help. Some of the uh, trivia I've got, that is Cat Spot is mentioned. You get the famous Picard quite, as I said. And I've gone, as I said, about face of the enemy. Um, the messages I got was, don't judge a book by its cover, which again, obviously, was referring to the Romulans being involved when they're not. I haven't Top... done trivia. Fair enough. <laughs> um, time is fixed and its speed never changes. So it's our perception of time, that depending on the situation, how we feel. As Riker says today at the end of the episode, as a silly little thing, I put, sometimes time is one thing you have plenty of. That's all I got. So what, what about you then? What did you, what was it for you then? Uh, oh, you said it because of the, the messages thing. Um, well, yeah, it's, the thing is, you know, Someone that loves time travel, this one just doesn't know what it again wants to do with it. Like, do you mm. want to do it quickly? Do you want to do it slowly? Um, what did you get for the trivia? Sorry, not trivia, um, because you said you didn't have any uh, the messages. I, I did, I just haven't said anything oh. yet. Oh, sorry, go on. It's universally known, but this is only appearance of the back of runabout. Oh, sorry, Sai God. I've just, I've just finally realised I misinterpreted what you said. When you whispered to me, I thought you said you didn't have any, you haven't said any. Beg your pardon. <laughs> well, future Jamie can rehear that and go, oh, crap. That's... Like I said, um, oh, six years of this and oh, just, yeah. <laughs> it, the set was redressed for a room on the Prometheus in Second Sight. Yep. Uh, 47 is another, it's dropped again, where they say 47 days of use water for the warp engine's usage. Um, and I think it's interesting using the runabout to kind of link it back up with DS9 to make everyone go, oh, yeah, that show's still on, I might go and pay that visit, because I've got that on there. Yeah, I, I did I did notice that little reference, I thought that was pretty good, actually. Um... The truth will come out eventually. No life is more valuable than another. There's no need to resort to violence. There's something wrong, take action. Help can come from the most unlikely places, Romulans. There's always another side of the story. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Nothing is quite what it appears. There's always another side of the story. Technology is fraught with problems. Don't jump to conclusions. I struggled. I didn't. The only thing I didn't like about this episode, and I think you agreed, was the bit with Deanna getting dizzy when they activate the time. Yeah, that was oddly played by Marina Sirtis. It I... kind of inferred something else, and that's not what it was meant to infer. No, it's like she gets dizzy and almost falls, and it's like, not, do not... they really need to show that? It's... No, it's the way it was acted, I think, more than kind of... I'm a typical damsel in distress, and I need to be. Rest- I just didn't. Like, I don't. I don't think that was their intention. I think they just wanted to show the effects it could have. But it just yeah, I just. I'm not right. sure I would act it that way. No. There's probably a better way you can do it without inferring something else is going on. Yeah. So I'll just. Yeah. Just, that bit just <laughs> bugged me. But that. But yeah, it's minor, a fun minor, episode. Minor quibble, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fun episode. Uh, again, 
not a contender. I can see why you're not fussed by its side because there isn't really much there. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Shall we move on to our final episode now of season six? Yeah, we have kind of gone into this already, but Descent Marks 1 and 2. Oh, goody, 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 yeah. goody. Uh, do you want me to, I'll do part one, you can say part... Actually, you... What would be easy, Jamie? Do you want me to say part one or part two for you? Uh, I can do part two, it's fine, yeah. You do part one, Jamie, I'll do part two. I can get it easier. Okay. Um, so, Descent Part 1. The Enterprise arrives at the site of a Borg attack, only to find the Borg is in orbit. Uh, the Borg seems to have changed, now possessing some form of individuality and desire to kill organic life forms. Um, and then Descent Part 2 says, Taken prisoner by Lauren and the Borg, and awaiting possessing a pipe car, Troy and Geordi is trapped while the Enterprise attacked in orbit. Beverly beams aboard as many of the crew... Uh, Enterprise crew... God almighty... Teams aboard as many of the Enterprise search parties from the planet below as she can and is forced to retreat. There we go, we got there eventually. Yeah, maybe I should have what he said, but yeah. Um, it happened. I don't mind this then. It's a pretty decent two-parter. I don't mind it. it... The problem is, um, as I said earlier, it puts a bit of a negative spin on Data's development, which we really didn't need, and it's the first deterioration of the bloody Borg that we don't need that we later see in this um, later see in Voyager. Yeah, they, this is where it starts, which is why it's got its, it's reputation it's, for what it is. It's nice having that complexity with the Borg, but the, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because we know they're not just straighten out villains, and we know, you know, you know, obviously species and people are complex, and that's great, but. Part of the problem you have with this now is they just become like another invoider. They just become like another alien of the week. They just they they, they just lost their edge, and that was. And again, unfortunately, this is where the problem starts with the whole Borg storyline. And I actually felt that in a way, in some ways, in this episode, particularly part two, they were just nothing more than a plot device. Just like you know, I don't know, just. I don't mind this episode, and you said the whole thing with Data is very—it's kind of jarring. And I and I felt I felt that the way he kind of changed between—I know he was being manipulated, but the way he kind of just changed back—I just thought it was just too quick. It just didn't work for me. Just again, it just felt kind of contrived. I don't know if you felt that way or if it didn't bother you, but that part of it just like again, it was just a bit like really. Maybe know. this should have been shoved. Birthright's position, Birthright should have been here. Maybe. I'm not sure that would make sense um, in terms of continuity or anything. But in terms of story-wise, I think that would be darn sight better. You get the crap out of the way mid-season, then you can draw this at the end of it. And mm. Going to seven, it would have made a slightly easier transition, whereas this is a little bit rough. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> Because, because oddly enough, this episode, in a way, it does bring up the concept of what would start as season seven of the concept of family. Because you've got Data and you've got Law as brothers, but I think it's just a bit jarring. I think Birthright is kind of a, it's a I say it's a bit lighter. It deals with stuff, but it's it's just it, it's no way it's just got. It is a bit lighter, I think, than Descent. Descent, Descent 
next gen isn't negative. So to do a negative storyline of one of your main characters being manipulated, yeah, no, 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 no. Like you can even to a certain degree, you've already said we've already done it once. Mm. With Troy throughout the series, so why the hell are you going back to it for a finale of a a season? I've never got it. I've never got this episode at all. Again, it's not. It's an interesting day to explore another facet of of potential humanity, but I just, I think they just handled it badly. It just doesn't work for his character. Just goes again. I think that's. I think part of the problem is it goes against every. And I know. And again, I know that explained with data's being manipulated. It's not really him. Okay, fair enough. I I do understand that part of it, but it just feels so jarring and just goes against everything we know of data. And it just, as you say, it just doesn't really work. I mean, don't get me wrong, Brent Spiner is terrific in this. Playing his data as himself when he gets manipulated or his law, I think he's terrific in this episode, this two part. Um, but I just think the writing just, I think the writing just, it kind of lets it down. It, it makes the episode suffer and it lets it down a bit. That's, uh, you know, oddly enough, I actually found, I mean, particularly, uh, mainly with part two, I don't know about you, but I actually found, I think the best scenes were all on board the Enterprise. I think the whole subplot with the with Beverly and those two opposite Lieutenant Barnab- Barnaby and um, Ensign Tate was it? Yeah, that, that that is probably one of the good things that did come out. I'd I'd agree with that, mm. but that's a bit of a that's not great to say. No, when it's not. all the focus is meant to be down on the, on yeah, the planet. I, I agree. Yeah, it's true, but that's I, a I, bit. Of, that's a bit. That's... Yeah, I agree. That's I, not great. Whereas no. You would like you didn't. You never said anything like that for say Times Arrow. You know that's not something you know. It's something you don't love. You you never kind of go oh Peter Merrill, Oh I like that part of it. Mm. It's never a good sign when you go actually I like the B plot. No. Oh that's not a good sign. And it's similar to what I was saying about um, Birthright or what we were both saying about Birthright. Kind of Peter Merrill, we like part of it but not all of it. And this one is even worse than that one. Because cumulatively, that whole scene is what five minutes. Yeah. Out of forty-five minutes worth of an episode, that is scary for for what they're trying to get across. It just does not work. It does not play into Data as a character, and there's a really big detail that should not have happened. Someone should not have approved this. It's a script I don't think they should have gone down mm. I, 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 I like the Hugh element of it I think that's well dealt with mm. but I don't I I think what I'm actually gonna what I'm gonna say is I think the A plot should have been entirely different mm. agree I'm not sure sure what you would have done for it but I don't you know, know. You, I would like to have seen law I would like to have seen the Borg but I would not like to have seen the route that they've gone down I don't know what story I would come up with, but that is not the episode I would come up for it. I think well, maybe... I think part one you can probably get away with, as mm. it is. Maybe it's the second part that you really have to work with. Maybe, maybe, maybe if you again I could be wrong, but maybe if you got rid of the data being manipulated element of it, maybe it would just work. Yeah. Decently enough, it's just law. The law's still there, and he's still controlling the, the ball. He's given, and they're just, and they just got to try and stop him. It sounds a bit bog standard, but and there's I... also another thing that came to mind throughout this that I think 
has, which I've just remembered again, it also has the mark that got copied into Equinox. That whole crap with that. Same thing happened there. Mm. It got completely copied and pasted and got shoved in there for the Doctor. And it's just like, oh, right. I think it was, done, it was dealt with better there. Mm. But this was just poorly thought through. Yeah, I mean... Um... If someone's gone in there not realising what Data's character's meant to the series. The, the, the other thing, yeah, as you say, is season six, it, it could just be me, but it feels like there's a bit of a disconnect between the writing in season six and previous seasons where writers, have, and they could, they could be new writers, I don't know, I have no idea, but they've forgotten certain details beforehand and and as you say, there's kind of a disconnect with what they've established for characters. So, like, as you say, things like with data and it, it's just it's just very odd. Well, the, the curiosity with that is, if you think back to season two, what were they going through? A writer's strike. But yet, yeah. they still managed to get a really good series season through. Yet, this has had all the best will in the world, and it is very lacklustre. I say that is a subtext for me the whole way through. It's very, eh, like I couldn't care less for most of it. Like mm. mediocre. Like and even though I still, like this is, I, as I said, my my enthusiasm for it has waned somewhat. It's kind of I enjoy it, but I don't know. Just that's just. It, I mean, no, this is just our opinions. It doesn't mean we're right. It's just just what we think. But i just i think we're doing this for six seasons as they have i think i think the fatigue was but then again as you said with season seven you're right and sat and then i, I don't know it's a bit weird it's like well most because they knew it was the last like let's go over the last hurrah let's really make it's a great season I, I don't know but this season is just 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 a really just a bit odd just a bit all over the place really not just in terms of kind of the writing i just think the structure of it as well just doesn't quite work overall but um, yeah, so, oh, and the other thing I found with this, and again, um, I found Deanna's, again, why was Deanna on the, can you explain to me why Deanna joined the away team? They, they did come up in dialogue, Jamie. All capable crew members. It went down to a skeleton crew. Okay. Because it just occurred... It was, it was dealt with, Jamie. It's not a big plot hole of why... Like, if there's no crew on the ship, you don't need counsellor. So, shove her on the planet. It, it, that's why they said, you know, mm. Picard goes, okay, Picard, Geordie, right, we're all going down. We'll leave... Um, no, fair enough. It does come up. It's not... Sure, it's probably not the strongest bit of writing in there, but it is in there, and it does yeah. make a oh. bit of sense. And yeah. at least in this one, she's not playing a damsel in distress. So... Let's see, should, so... We, should we do a bit of trivia? Because I've got a bit. I've got yeah, go for that first, and then I'll go into what I liked and didn't about both parts. Well, d- but, but part one, I kind of said what I didn't. We'll go into what we liked after. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Professor Stephen Hawking makes his appearances himself, which is Damn. a nice oddity. Yeah, I was, gonna, I, I was bad. Yeah, I was bad. <laughs> it's a part of mine, but you got me. You beat me to it. But yeah, go on. I thought you might, but. The amount of times that you've said things. Oh, it's happened a number of times today, so hell. 
I think we've been pretty equal, actually, haven't we, with trivia in terms of reading um, first. So. The Okinaka 3 Federation Outpost is reused as a Gadaran 4 Outpost from Unnatural Selection. Seen in Starship Mine. I love the CGI, like, high-definition look of the Borg rogue ship thing. And the shot of the Enterprise D travelling through the Transwarp Conduit, as it is in this one, is a reused shot seen in Times Squared. And I think Transwarp Conduit is the first time it is introduced in the franchise. So that's part one. Part two, I got a bit more. Go for it. Um, the Rogue Borg compound was the... Oh, where did I write this down? Brandis Bardin Campus, American Jewish University. It was also used as Camp Kitma in uh, Star Trek VI. Uh, oh, I think I told Jamie this on the phone. James Horan played Jabril in Suspicions, yep. but would play uh, Lieutenant Barnaby in this episode. 47 crew members are left on the planet surface after Crusher has to take the Enterprise out of orbit. Another reference back to 47. I think the junior officers on the bridge is a precursor to Lower Decks. Yep, I agree with that. I would like to have seen uh, Dr. Crusher and later Troy in command of the ship earlier and more often in the series. Uh, the console Laura is using at the end of the episode is re Dress the Theta Band Wave Emitter from Chain of Command Part 1. There are two deleted scenes. One where Data talks about his emotions, where love doesn't exist. And another very uninteresting one where Riker and Wolf release Troy and Geordie from the Borg prison. And you can imagine how exciting that was. They open yeah. the door. They go through a Jeffrey tube and out and open the door and help them out. Wow, oh, sounds yeah. so exciting. So that's me done for trivia forever of this year. <laughs> so what I liked was um, great opening scene with Data playing poker. Um, it sets up the plot. I actually think it sets up the plot with him wanting to explore other facets of his humanity. Yeah, again, I know he kind of only spores one, but it kind of it kind of does work. Um, it's a great twist and idea set up like Data experiencing anger in the Borg encountered acting like individuals so expressing concern for a fallen comrade to whom they call by name so i thought that bit was good again i know it kind of you know it kind of will go off kilter then in terms of losing their edge but still um nice continuity with eyeball with them building on the borg hue as they realize they may be responsible for the borg's changing behavior i said about brent spiner's excellent acting I like the mirrored comparison of Nocheyev telling Picard to destroy the Borg if another opportunity arises. This is how he felt during the start of Iborg. Like that Beverly's put in charge of the ship for the first time. And the ending of part one where Data is beside Law. I thought that sets up a great cliffhanger for season seven and part two. Uh, since part two, what I liked, the scenes on the bridge with Beverly in command were, just, were great. Uh, nice reference... Uh, and use of Dr. Rager's metaphasic shield as well from suspicions. Like the interaction between Ensign Tate and Lieutenant Barnaby, she uses his phrase against him. I guess I'll have to make sure I'm accurate, Ensign. And also when he says, oh, she did it, it worked, and he gets all excited, and the smug look on her face is brilliant. Uh, nice to see less inexperienced crew members um, and different officers contributing to the mission on the bridge instead of the usual cast. And of course, also about the impact from past episodes like Iborg and Brothers, 
the emotional chip. And yeah, that's all I've got for it in terms of what I liked. What about messages? Um, if you need support dealing with something, ask for it. There's no need to resort to violence. So again, torture again. You always have to have a choice. Needs of many outweighed needs of one or the few. Treat people how you like to be treated. This act wrong, take action. Help can come from the most unlikely places. Hugh. So I love the way he kind of changes his mind. Mm. I think that may be because Geordie's involved, but never mind, he still helps. Every decision we make has consequences. Don't give up so easily. There's a solution to every problem. You have to be ingenuitive. Don't play people and don't walk blindly into an obvious trap. Again, yeah. Uh, messages I got. You should control your emotions and not let them control you. Emotions are complex. They aren't positive or negative. It's what we do with our emotion that is important. Killing someone is legally and morally wrong. It starts the theme of importance of family, which is emphasized throughout season seven. So that when Lord dies and he tells Dad to him at the end, sometimes good intentions uh, can lead to bad. Con- sometimes good intentions and morally right decisions can lead to bad consequences. So Picard, obviously, you know, saying about um, letting Hugh go back to the collective, the notion of technology taking over. So law says it's the end of biological life, and obviously it's pleasant to the idea of kind of like the Terminator films because Terminator Two came out two years before, I think. Uh, the notion of data, notion of addiction, as data wants more and begs for emotion when law asks him for it. So addiction can be dangerous, and yeah, that's, that's it for the messages. So I think I think we finished, haven't we? I believe so. So. Yeah. I think it now just comes down to what we'd pick for our favourite episodes of the season. Not that they already know, Jeremy, but, you know. Uh, well, obviously, mine will be... Well, mine, hands down, is going to be Lessons. That's Mine's the one pick. after it. Yeah. The chase. Yeah. <laughs> There's no mystery this time. There's no <laughs> mystery this, this year. It's kind of those two. And, you, well, you watch them after another, so... Yeah. You're welcome. It's just no question. Like, I think previous years I've gone with my head and not my heart, and this year it's like, so I just go for your heart this year, and I have done. Yeah, as you say, it's it's the, these two episodes, the the two that we go to when we think of season six. So if it's the first one you think of, well, it's surely your favourite then. <laughs> and even I think we've even sort of said there's even a kind of foregone conclusion to season seven. What's that? There's a kind of full foregone conclusion to what we might choose in seven yeah so yeah i think unbelievably we've done it for another year jeremy we have and obviously next year will be well season seven gambit (laughs) well season seven and then we get a year's break after that which should be nice because don't get me wrong guys we we i know we probably sound very tired during this but we do really enjoy but when you said you've done it for six years and I said it takes a lot of effort and obviously because of our past couple of months where we've been very busy which we know was our choice but it just does get it said a bit taxing I think it's a combination of me not sleeping well last night I think you were the same weren't you Sorry. I slept all right oh you did oh okay it's yeah it's this episode is so time consuming so 25 days of constant rewatching, and then this in its own right takes five odd hours to do 
four and a half, something like that. So it is very time consuming. Love doing it. it. Completely changes your opinion every year we do it. I was completely surprised when I chose Acreo. I don't know why, and it, it happened. That does very much baffle me, but uh, I, you know. Would you rather me choose Suspicions, Jamie? Yeah, I think my favourite songs are not great, so to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. I don't know. But yeah, that, that's it. If you want to watch the best of, well, not best, but our recommendations for season six, it's Lessons and The Chase. Those are the ones that we'd recommend. Um, yeah, um, that's us done for another year. Um, they're, talking of which, there is two more additional extra episodes coming out during what would have been our hiatus. So they will be coming your way soon. And it's over to Jamie for more other stuff. Uh, Starting off with something we've never done before, but I don't know how much Jamie wants to say about it. Um, Yes. um... Oh, God, is it? Uh... Oh, God, I'm trying to think of a bit of my older flipping of... Uh, Yeah, it's the first episode, was it? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I thought, oh, you're talking about the commentary thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I'm off, uh, we'll be doing... Uh, yes. We've been doing this for flipping four hours straight. I'm not with it. I didn't sleep well last night. Um, yes, we'll be doing the first of what will be a quadruple series of Borg uh, episode commentaries. Isn't it a quartet, Jeremy? Whatever, quartet. Whatever you want to call it. Quadruple. It's quadruple means four, I'm pretty certain. Quartet, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and we'll starting be starting with yeah. uh, <laughs> first contact. First contact. We'll be starting with first contact. The, the film. The film. The film. Yes. Not not all the episode. The, the film. Because we we've not we've not done a film yet, and yeah. Yeah. That'll be our yeah. First, so yeah. that that'll be coming your way soon because, in some ways, we have done a, a few short episodes this time when we've done extra episodes. That will certainly make up for that, for the lack of long episodes. And there's a film commentary coming your way where I have no idea what I'm going to say. I'm looking forward to recording our next episode because it's going to be nice and short. (laughs) That'll be a nice one to do. Nice light one, which is what we need. So, yes, we'll be coming your way very soon. But until then, we're going to take the rest of the afternoon off. Yeah, so Um, we hope you enjoyed listening, guys. And as I said, this will be out. As we said, but you know, we'll release one on Wednesday, one on Thursday, part one and part two. And um, yeah, oh God, Jamie, you've forgotten about timings again. They've already heard them because they've gone out. Yeah, I uh, know, I know. Just, just stop me now, yeah. please. Right. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed listening, guys, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Bye. Bye.